What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 45 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes. I'm here with the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. Now we're doing something special today. A Nintendo Direct just happened. Yesterday, we recorded topics 2, 3, and 4 right. that you will hear in the future after this happens. But for now, we're just going to talk Nintendo. Mm. We're getting right into it. Mm. I am so excited. That was a good one. It was a good one. Y'all talking shit the whole time, but I don't care. We weren't talking shit. No, it was a good one. It was good. It was fine. It was was good. It It wasn't just fine. It It was was good. Big surprise in there, but it was Here's here's the thing. Yes, of course, there was the big surprise. But my thing with the Nintendo Directs, there's nothing besides E3 that gets me more excited in video games than Nintendo Directs. Mm. Not even playing Nintendo games? You get more excited about the Directs? That's the thing. I like announcements. I'm a big fan of announcements. That's why, besides the cloud thing, my favorite announcement from the Direct was the announcement of more announcements to come in December. That's true. That was the biggest pop you gave that whole thing is when at the end they're like, the Smash Brothers, more on Smash Brothers coming December. You're like, ah! you put up your hands. I mean, that's great. That's like, such damn. a good sign. Words like, on a screen. Oh, man. I just, but I love it. I love announcements and I love that there's this, this presentation and here's 45 minutes. Yeah, we're going to see a bunch of shit we don't want. Sure. But that's... They need to it's do a that. press conference. You know what I yeah. mean? Usually you have to wait for press conferences. You've got to wait for E3s, your com- games comms, your whatever. Like, yeah, and Nintendo comes out and they drop them. And especially for you, Mr. Nintendo, who you love Nintendo I'm so not much. Mr. Nintendo. I know. I'm the NX's biggest, biggest fan. fanboy. Yeah, yes. yes. But I'm not Mr. Nintendo. I hear next week we're in- installing a Nintendo World Championship belt. I wonder who's going to win it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see in the Let's Plays next week. No, but I thought I had a good time. It was a fun conference. I wasn't talking shit. We're doing the same thing we do to every conference. No, I we know. Just, like Mystery Science Theater. But I just, you know, I, feel, I get really defensive over Nintendo. Of course, it's your thing. You it's your baby. I, I can see it in your eyes. That's why yeah. I just back off a little bit sometimes. Yeah. No, you don't need to do that. Like with the Star Fox game, that looks like it's a GameCube game. You know what? We'll get to the Star Fox <laughs> game. But overall, I, to me, it's not just me. Because you go on NeoGAF and there's 100-page threads. Yeah, yeah. very excited. Twitter direct. in general was there's a, just a flame. I mean, I'll tell you right now. I mean, this just broke right before we started recording. MPDs are out. Uh, Yoshi's Woolly World was the eighth best-selling game at retail in the United States. And it That's outsold. You're I, the Yoshi. I've been telling it you. It outsold Uncharted and Nathan Drake Collection, um, which came in at number nine. That's crazy. Uh, at Where'd retail. you put the Yoshi? Although, uh, it's worth noting that the MPD numbers do not count uh, bundles, mm. um, which I'm sure uh, PS4 sold plenty of with the Nathan Drake Collection. Yeah. But I, just, I say that just to show that there is... A uh, group of people that are still buying these even more obscure um, or not as desirable exclusives. Yeah. So when you see something like Zelda being confirmed as still a Wii U game, mm-hmm. um, which is not a huge surprise, uh, that shows Exciting. that that game is going to sell very well yeah. when it comes out. So let's just go down down the order of how things happened in this Nintendo Direct. This beautiful, beautiful Nintendo Direct. Big Zelda, beautiful Nintendo Direct. Twilight Princess HD finally confirmed. Greg owes me a burrito because he said it, it's, think- this ain't happening. I was like, what's why? wrong with you? When did you say that? Why? It why cannibal? Yeah, but I thought why cannibalize your Zelda game that apparently is not coming in 2016. What? I don't care that they said 2016. It's not coming in 2016. I'll double down. I'll put another burrito on the line that you're not getting your Zelda Wii U in 2016. Now. I mean, I don't want to bet that. If it doesn't I'm come not, out in 2016, they're gonna be in trouble. I don't believe that. I, I'm still holding out, even though they're fucking saying all this stuff. I'm still holding out that it's not coming to Wii U. Like, and again, I, this is just my no, it's, my it's, oh NX it, warped it, thing. It's coming. No, I'm hoping it doesn't Wii U. come to Wii U. It's it doesn't oh, come to NX. I see you're saying my it's apologies. coming to Wii U. It makes no sense for it's it not to. Especially to this this direct confirms it to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I'm wait, wait, wait. Before we move, why would you make that bet? It like conclusively leaked that like a month ago. I like making entertaining shows where Tim and I argue about things, and, and I, I I'll buy him a burrito anytime. Yeah. yeah, it's not like I bet him hundred bucks. I wasn't like I was like it's gonna happen, but. So you make bets just to make them. Your bets don't mean anything. People get engaged. They talk about it then on Twitter. They tweeted us about it. I thought it was a dumb move. Still, but now if I if I really don't th- now if the Zelda game is going to be so far out, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, we got the release date of March fourth, 
for Twilight Princess HD. Yeah. I will say that looking at it didn't excite me the way. Of course not. It's not a good Zelda game. I mean, it gets. I think it gets shot on a lot. It's definitely it's not, not good. It's. I. I don't think it's. It's not. It, it is good. It's Forgettable. just not amazing. Forgettable. Eh, it's definitely. It was definitely a, a decline in quality. Um, that I think really actually started with more like the Minish Cap than anything else, and then kind of just started. Like Wind Waker was to me, to me the last. I fucking love Wind Waker, and and to me that was the last truly interesting, just aesthetically mm-hmm. pleasing, really interesting looking, different kind of Zelda game. Yeah. Uh, by the time I got to Skyward Sword, I just didn't care anymore because Twilight Princess I felt so burned on. So Twilight Princess was the first Zelda game that I sat down to play that I didn't. With the exception of the 3DS ones or the DS ones, because mm-hmm. you had to use the stylus, I just didn't. I was like, nah, no way, not for me. So I, I don't get. I'm, I'm with you that I don't. Wait, so you never beat it? No. Twilight Princess? No, no. Oh, no, really? No. no. I no, did, no, no, no. and all I remember is Fringe Fingers and turning into a wolf in the beginning. Yeah. Like, I don't not remember that game. I played that the game. game. Sucked. I played that yeah, game. Stem to stern. And just don't know. Don't remember anything about it because I just. Man. Meanwhile, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wind Waker. These are things. You know what I mean? Even uh, Link Between Worlds recently, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I remember moments of how much fun I was having in this game. And I, what I remember about Twilight Princess is getting stuck in one of the dungeons and my girlfriend at the time quietly looking it up on IGN and then be like, well, what if you went over there and did that? I'm like, I've done that before. And like 10 minutes later, she had to be, I really think you should go do that. I'm like, all right. And it worked. I'm like, God damn. That's funny. I, I like Twilight Princess. It's not my favorite Zelda game, but I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. But I will say that watching the an HD trailer, I was excited because I knew this was coming. I want a burrito off of it, damn it. Mm-hmm. But... I was excited to see the trailer because I thought it was going to be impressive to me in the way that Wind Waker HD. When I saw that trailer, I was like, "Ooh, this looks good," yeah. you know. And yeah, the cell shaded cell shaded works better in the HDifying of things. Yeah, but I thought Twilight Princess was going to look a little better. This looking at it, I'm just like, "Oh, that's what Twilight Princess looks like." I'm sure compare them side by it's side. It's what you think. It's totally it looks not like. what you think you remember. It's. I thought I'd get a little bit more of like, oh, and I didn't. Yeah. Um, but there's a Wolf Link amiibo. So Zyger's happy out there. Of course, he's Zyger must stoked. be. He's probably in a coma right now with all the amiibo talk and all these yeah, different amiibos. So many amiibos. I'll say that I think it's a smart move for them to release the game because a lot of people do love it, and mm-hmm. and there is not you know there's a dearth of games on Wii yeah, U. So I mean I, I think it makes perfect sense. Even if it was, even if Zelda the new Zelda was going to come out in the summer or something like that, I don't think it, it. I don't think that the release of it affects it at all. But this was the least surprising news because this this conclusively leaked. Yeah. So I I out of everything that I thought we would see, this was like the one I knew we were going to see. Mm-hmm. So I was glad that they opened there was with like it. Artwork leaked. Yeah. There was a little like it, it was icon. on the eShop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was like of course it's going to happen. Yeah. And <clears throat> the the big thing about the direct for me is like there's there were so many games talked about. Some of them for just 3 seconds, but like that's all I need. It's just like, like hey, there's a lot of Nintendo things happening. Not all of it's going to be for you, but there's going to be a lot of it. This direct had so many things that I was just like, yes, thank you. This is what I care about. Yeah. Maybe no, uh, no one else does, but I fucking do. Um, moving on, my boy Bill Trent. Oh, also, they talked about the the new Zelda, and they said 2016. That it's coming. It's coming to Wii U in 2016. Still coming. They showed like 10 seconds of footage of it. It w- it was new footage, but I mean, it didn't show anything new. Link kind of like had a weird like hood on. Hood yeah, thing hood scarfy hood thing. Yeah. Um, I, have a lot of, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of hope in that game, actually. I and, hope so. Uh, it's yeah, compatible I, with the Wolf Amiibo, or whatever that's worth. There's other. You can put the other uh, and Zelda the other Amiibos on Zelda there, yeah. themed Amiibos. Take your time with that game. Mm-hmm. All the time you need. Yeah, but get yeah, it on NX. But they. It, it, I mean, it's. It, I mean, they. They. Re- I still think it might be on the NX too. But if we believe the NX might come out next fall, which I don't think it will. Excuse me, I'm burping. Uh, so I think that you know they. You know, there's no question it's coming to Wii U. I mean, there's just no question anymore. We've definitely debated this in the past. I mean, it's coming to Wii U. Yeah, and it's upsetting, <laughs> but it's upsetting to me. I don't think, and it's I upsetting. think, I, but I think for the like the 
success of the NX. I think it's upsetting. I wished that in the time we hadn't heard about the game, they just completely moved over and started fresh on the NX. It's still possible that they're doing that. Again, remember, like we said it before, they're in the space in between right now and so they space can't necessarily con- you know it, it, twilight princess was a gamecube and a wii game and mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't necessarily think that it's not it's impossible that this is the same thing they just can't say that you yeah know? no and i i think i will be shocked if this game's not on nx in some form my biggest question is if this is a 2016 game the nx isn't in 2016 what do they do with it and the thing is they might not do the exact same they did with twilight princess they might do something more similar to smash bros on the 3DS and Wii U, where it's the same game, but there's more stuff on the NX one, and that's going to make people want to buy it either again or wait and buy that version. Yeah, I think I just I don't believe that NX is going to come out next year simply because it doesn't seem it seemed so back in like between the NES and SNES transition in 91, NES was still like really viable actually for a long time. I mean, they were releasing first party Nintendo games in 1994. Um, so it was it was. It was different then. SNES and N64 was a little more tapered. And by the time you got to GameCube, N64 was basically dead. Um, I remember the last N64 games I bought were in the spring of 2001. And obviously it was in the fall of 2001 that GameCube came out. So I just when you think about the transition from GameCube to Wii, 2004 and 2005, especially 2004, were really strong years for that console. But by 2006, the console was dying or dead already. And the, the, the release schedule of some of the games still on Wii U uh, in 2016 indicate to me that NX, it just wouldn't make sense to release NX then. You know, I don't think it's a, I don't think NX is a fall 2017, but yeah. I think it's probably maybe spring 2017. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my money's on 2016, but just cause I, I we don't have anything besides Zelda left for the latter half of the year. No, but, but still, I just feel like you want it to taper and have some, a vacuum of excitement before you, you don't want to, this was the same, it was the argument I made with why Zelda shouldn't move over to NX completely. It's because you don't want to burn the people that are going to be there for you. The only people that are guaranteed to going to be there for you are the people that own Wii U. So it's, it's as long as you treat them well towards the end of the life cycle, like Nintendo's fan base is, is demonstrably shrinking and you need to take care of those people before you try to expand out where the blue ocean strategy kind of thing only works when you have a strong core, which yeah. is why, why the Wii I think succeeded. I, see, I just don't agree. I feel like I just burn me, burn me hard. And let's move on. I want, I want good things. I think not, you're in the minority on that. I think you're in the minority on that, but I mean, I, as we were adults with, with some disposable income, right? Like I just don't know that everyone's in the position where they, they, they don't want, you know, they don't mm. want to be fucked by by Nintendo in terms of of the Wii U or whatever. Like, give it some time to my, die. See, my argument yeah. to that would be that the people that aren't adults with money aren't the people that are clamoring for the Zelda game. Like, those no. are the ones that are playing all these other games that I don't care about, like the Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival or whatever the hell it's called. And we'll find out. Kind of I hope that. I'm I hope I'm wrong, just in the sense that I want to see what the hell this thing is. Mm-hmm. But and I, I think we will see it at E3. But um, it would be nice for it to come out in the fall. I mean, uh, you know, you don't want to be in a Dreamcast situation where you're coming out in the middle or towards yeah. the end of a generation because then you, then you are in a weird space and there's really no success stories of that mm-hmm. happening uh, when you think about it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then Bill Trinan comes out, talks about Triforce Heroes. There's an update, 30 stage, free download, talks about Splatoon, new stages, equipment, tournament mode. Mario Maker has a portal site where you can go on the internet and like look at websites that Smart. way, download them and sync them to your console later. Hell yes. All of this to me is great news. This is what I want from Nintendo where it's, these games are platforms. You're not going to need to wait for 10 years for the sequel to come out or whatever. You get these. We're going to keep giving you updates. Some of them are free. Some of them are paid, whatever. It's going to be worth it either way. Like, you're getting stuff. And how they're treating Mario Maker so far, I am in love with. It's only been out a couple months. We've already gotten multiple announcements or yeah. updates and stuff. So, very stoked about that. Then they started talking about some eShop titles. Pokemon Picross. 
which I've never been a big pit cross guy. No, it's it's interesting to see that come out. And it's a it's a you know this, this was this one of the free to start games cross yeah it seems like this is like a new model in conjunction with the the rumors that all of the nintendo mobile games are going to be free to play so this seems like they're just exploring not that this is the first time they've done it but to explore uh the, the, a different kind of pricing model whatever Picross games have been huge for nintendo for a really long time just not like a really long time um just not in uh the west so mm-hmm. it is cool to see um them kind of support that again but Picross games on uh, nintendo Picross games have been huge for 25 plus years in mm-hmm. japan so then the eShop title that I'm most excited about is the one called Fast Racing Neo. We've seen it before a little bit, but we're not getting a new F-Zero. Yeah, it looks like F-Zero White Bat or something. Yeah. But it's like pretty much a spiritual successor to the N64 um, era of those games. And oh my god, I, I'm, looks, that looks great. Fucking four-player cool. split screen. I'm not a racing fan, so I really don't know. Oh, I see, I love that type of stuff. Like I, I love futuristic racers, and I loved F-Zero. So very stoked about that. Surprised they didn't slap F-Zero on it. I know. Um then Yokai Watch and Animal Crossing, they just you know did more bits on that, which not for me. Uh, then new bundles with both Splatoon and Smashing, that's great. You know, let's just get as many Wii U's out there and get people playing the good games that are, exist on it. Uh, Pokemon Tournament, we saw a new Shadow Mewtwo trailer. That game looks amazing to me. Like, I mean, when I say amazing, I mean very, very solid. Eight out of ten. Are you gonna play it? Yeah, it looks awesome. I mean, it looks it's a fighting game. That that's how. I imagine Pokemon games would be when I was a dumb little kid, you know, like that's the what future. the cartoons looked like, mm-hmm. you know, just the Pokemon actually fighting with each other and stuff. Hell yeah. That looks great. Very stoked about that. Um, it's interesting. The Tekken, you know, crossover and the, the name is horrible. It is horrible. I can't believe there's because it's, it. it's, it's spelled Pokken. Yeah. So that's one, one problem with the two K's Pock. P-O-K-K is Pock. But, it's it, but it's, it's, uh, it does look pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not for me either, but it's, uh, it, they're taking advantage of Pokemon in weird ways. I don't know what they're doing. You know, like just do what you need. You know, you need to do with this series. Put a fucking full Pokemon game on mobile and make an MMO mm-hmm. for your console. Just do it. Just fucking do it already. Yeah. I don't know. An X. An X, bro. Yeah. We'll see. Final Fantasy Explorers on the 3DS. I think that game looks cool. Yeah. I don't really care too much, but that definitely looks like a Colin Moriarty special vibe or something. Yeah, it's just cool. A little cool mashup. I mean, I, I like I like that kind of stuff with uh kind of celebrating Final Fantasy's heritage before it was uh, what it is now. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see those characters all in the same world. Not the first time we've seen that, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a game that I'd certainly look to maybe play later. It's cool to see them all together in more of an actual... It's not really, It didn't look too much like an RPG, but like an action RPG game. Mm-hmm. Usually we see them together in fighting games sure. or like music games or stuff like that. Um, then Star Fox, we saw a trailer. April 22nd is the new release date. We saw more of the Walker. The Landmaster now has a Grav Master mode that, like, the tank kind of hovers and stuff. They went and through the controls and stuff. That's just the normal thing. It's always been right. Yeah, Did they unfortunately, that, yeah. and that's my biggest thing with this game is from every time I've played it, it's not good. Like, just straight up, it doesn't play right. And you know, Colin's biggest thing is that it looks like it just looks old. And I, I I'm not, a, I'm not in a, I'm not a guy that really gets hung up on aesthetic. I really don't like. We're playing Fallout 4 now, and I know a lot of people think that game's ugly, but that's not really one of the problems with the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that when you think about Star Fox's heritage, especially on Super Nintendo and N64, those games showcased those consoles in ways that other games didn't. And they weren't necessarily the prettiest, the most technologically advanced by the time you got to the end of the cycle. But when you look back at what Star Fox was doing early on SNES, uh, early to mid, through, through its life, it was a pretty extraordinary game. Mm-hmm. And um, you still look at it, and you're like, it, it doesn't age very well, especially at Star Fox 64, but they... They these were kind of sh- showpieces in their own way, in their own respect, in my opinion. Like I, I just think that these were 
it's just disappointing to see a game that really straight up looks like it's a GameCube game, mm-hmm. like or a Wii game. It really doesn't look like a Wii U game. And some people are like, well, it's indicative that maybe it's been in development for a long time. I don't, I don't know anything about that. I think it may, might have been a Wii game, but because they decided, I mean, think to think back on on the Super Nintendo version, or especially the N, the N sixty four version of Star Fox. The polygonal way the ships were rendered was was due not only to an aesthetic choice, but due to the fact that that's what those consoles could do. So they decided to keep the same shapes. There's, it's still angular and ugly. And and I understand that that's kind of the known aesthetic, the old school aesthetic of Star Fox, but it does not have to look like that. Yeah. And, like when I and when I look, at, you know, people on Twitter, a few people are saying to me like, "Well, the Wii U just can't do that much." And I'm like, "The Wii U can do way better than yeah, this." No, I mean, it I mean, look at can. look at Zelda. There's there's no there's no excuse. Look at Mario 3D World. Yeah, Bayonetta. It's like, like, yeah, Bayonetta. Yeah. It's like it's like you can do way better than this. I'm I'm really shocked the way this game looks, and I think it just. The explosions, the way like when you just I, I was paying close attention to just the little things in the trailer mm-hmm. and like the explosions look awful. The like when you destroy a, a ship and, and its component parts, it just the parts just disappear. It's like I'm like the, the textures are low res. There's 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 nothing compelling about it. And I, I like Star Fox and I kind of expected more about it. It's I'm, And what I said on Twitter was I'm sure it's gonna be fine. I'm sure it's gonna be fun. I, I, maybe the control scheme's not gonna be great. I have not gone hands on with it, but. Certainly their aesthetic choice to stick with the way the ships always looked was a mistake, in my opinion, because they don't have to look like that anymore. They did have to look like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, and they just I'm, don't have to look. You can have a like you don't have to have sharp 90 degree angle fucking, you know, 90 degree angles on your ships all over the place anymore. You can mm-hmm. have curvature and and, you know, it's just I don't know. It, it just bothers me so much that this game has been in development for so long. And this is going to be a game that was released in 2016. I feel bad for Star Fox fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing is I, I'm a huge Star Fox fan. Like I'm a, like that. Star Fox is one of my favorite franchises of all time. And I have a very special connection with the, the series, even like the ones that people don't like, like Assault, I think is one of the best Star Fox games just because of the, the flight missions. There's very few of them in the game and the on foot ones suck. They're horrible. But the flight missions seem like a sequel to 64, which is amazing. SNES, it doesn't hold up. Like, it's great as a technological thing going back. But, like, looking at it now, playing it now, it's it's not. Well, nothing like that holds up. It's the same thing with Pilot Wings or anything like that. Like 64 these, does, though. Like, yeah, I, 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 I think so. To a, the, the degree that N64 games hold up at all. Yeah, I think, no, but I'm, but I, they hold up because of the gameplay. And, yeah, the graphics and whatever, it is what it is. And that's is. not a Nintendo 64 era thing. That is a polygonal PlayStation era thing, too. Yeah. Um. No, I, I, I don't I don't disagree with you. It's just that like these were I was I remember being so impressed with Star Fox when I was a kid with like how it looked and, and what it was doing. And it's I don't know. It's just it's just it's it's a disappointing thing to to tarnish the legacy of the games like yeah, that. So because I really want to see the graphics don't bother me like they're not good, but they don't bother me because it's like at least it, it does look like Star Fox. Like you were saying, it is very like that's how things look. That's the Star Fox universe. And I know that that is just like it doesn't need to be that way and yeah if we got a, like a beautiful cell shaded thing and like there was way more going on that could be cool and i'd love to see that that's not what we're getting i wish perhaps we'd gotten that instead but looking at this i don't look at this and go oh i don't like i don't want to play this because of how it looks no i don't either but I, I but it's definitely it definitely if you drop that game on me like if you just show me this game and you're like this is a canceled star fox game from seven years ago i'd be like i believe it 100 believe it yeah but i mean i think that's also one of those things like when people compare games like oh that looks like that's how twilight princess looked back then and it's like that's not true like this doesn't look like a gamecube game like, no it doesn't it, maybe look like a gamecube game. it looks like a wii game uh, I mean, but it's HD, and that's the thing is like that's all I really ever needed from from Star Fox. Like, this is my all right, cool, I'm good. Yeah, and but to be, I mean, and and to be fair to Star Fox, I mean, there's aesthetic choices being made that you can use Mega Man as an example of like, well, why do you make that? You have to keep making eight bit NES games when it's an eight bit game, and why would you keep going back to that? But I still think the we were playing Symphony of the Night when we did our our um on PlayStation One when we were doing our our stream for charity last weekend, and 
I was talking to people in the comments about this is actually a technological. This game was a technological feat, and it's still pretty today because it's it's beautiful pixel art and um, these multiple layer parallax scrolling in the background and all these little secrets and hidden things. Whatever, like that game still stands up. Side scrollers typically stand up very well, but when you go into the when you go into the realm of three D or whatever, you you have to keep kind of evolving um, because there's just greater expectations, and you see that fallout with Fallout Four right now. Um, based on the way it looks compared to Dying Light and The Witcher. In other words, there's just no excuses anymore. So when I see a game like this, it's just like, well, I, there's no excuse for this to look like this. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if, if they're making a choice or not, it's meh. I think, and I, I know I'm not the only person with that problem with the game. I mean, this, this is no, a, know, this is a th- common that's thing. That's the thing, though. But like, my thing is just like, th- that is, those are all problems. But like to the hardcore Star Fox people, I don't think that that's that big of an issue. Like, my issue is the gameplay. If the Star Fox, Star Fox gameplay is good, I don't care about any of that. And so far, it's not. And that's my biggest issue with the game. And I wanted this direct to come out and be like, hey, we're also adding just normal controls. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to use the gyro thing. And I'm still holding out for that because I will be shocked if they release this game and it can only control the way that we've played it so far. No, I don't think they'll make that mistake. With with the the, the, the thing because it's like it's not good. I sure wouldn't play it if it was that way. Me neither. I mean that's I will not play it and like that sucks. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think I think they have extra time and they're polishing it. Maybe that was one of the reasons is that they had to go recover. I know, it and that's what I'm expecting from it. And but I you, thought we'd have heard it in this, but but maybe maybe it's a marketing thing too, where you know they don't want to see the thing about Nintendo Directs to me, which is which is awesome and both both awesome and funny, is that it's also very markety. Like it's like don't forget you can buy 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 buy. So like you know. uh to me, it, since it's so consumerist focused, not consumer focused, but but about consumerism specifically, it would be weird for them. It, it would be weird for Nintendo to come out and be like, "By the way, we know the controls suck and we fix them." You yeah. know, like that's something you release, no, like, for sure, in a press release or something. Um, so and I'm still, tour. I'm still hopeful for the game, and I am hold reserving judgments because I do not like it right now. I want to like it right now. The graphics aren't the thing holding me back. And when with Star Fox Assault, like you were talking about, the Star Fox games have always been kind of a big technological meter for the first the systems. Two. Yeah. No, but I even think like Assault, like Assault graphically in a lot of the, in the ways, no, but Assault was one of the first GameCube, one of the first Nintendo games to have a fully orchestrated soundtrack. And like, that's a huge deal. Like, since then we've seen, you know, Galaxy do it and Galaxy 2 and like a lot of the Zelda games and stuff. So now it's fairly standard, mm. but that's a level of polish that most, most games, any developer don't really do. You know, we see it with Uncharted and we see it with some of like Sony's like top, top tier things. But Nintendo does that stuff in a very unique way because their overall polish of their games is it's special, you know, and sure. we'll see how this all goes. But I hope that I hope for you. I hope for favorite. all the Nintendo fans out there. It works. We got some more Fire Emblem Fates details, Birthright and Conquest, two different games. This it sounds less like a Pokemon red and blue situation, more like a Zelda Oracle, Oracle that's exactly what I was thinking. And an ages thing. That's exactly that's funny. That's exactly the reference I was thinking. But the discount that yeah. we didn't get with Oracle is going to be here, which is cool. very cool. So it's buy one and then you get the other one for $20 as a digital download. It's two sides of the same story. Then there's a third story that is like a third perspective on the two things. That's cool. It's yeah, God's it's, perspective. Yeah, I think probably. I think it sounds really neat. I'm not a huge Fire Emblem fan, but I, oh, I think that I think this sounds uh, this sounds really cool. I think it's thoughtful to you know. I know that the, there was a lot of questions when if this game was going to come out here at all, mm-hmm. and then uh, which we knew it was you know a while ago. But w- because of the two iterations, how are they going to do this? Are they only going to release one? Are they going to somehow yeah. compound them? I really think it's a thoughtful way for Nintendo to get both games out to be like you can just get the other one for half off. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I got to respect the shit out of that because um, it's a lot of money to spend on a game that I I, I assume will not be very different. You mm-hmm. know, like the. Um, I'm trying to think of a, an example came to my head. Oh, it was Tales of Exilia, the original Tales of Exilia, which 
um, on PS3, which could be played from the pr- perspective of two different protagonists. But the story was the same, and you got some different cutscenes, but the, it was the same game. And I, my assumption is that these aren't going to be radically different again, like Oracle of Ages and Oracle Seasons, which might even be more different from each other than yeah. these are. But that remains to be seen. But it, that definitely invoked those those Capcom Zelda games to me. Yeah, and you can get all three of them in the special edition for eighty dollars on February nineteenth. I'm happy we got a release. It looks it looks like I'm going to have a really fun spring 2016 a lot of games that i'm looking forward to there uh games you're looking forward to mega man legacy collection yeah legacy collection's coming to 3ds uh they get that amiibo too which i'm not i'm not super interested i can just take one of my you mega like man amiibos gold? and spray it with a fucking with gold <laughs> yeah, the gold mega man amiibo and it has an exclusive challenge mode that you well the challenge was in the other ones too but the there there are new challenges in this one and mm-hmm. i made one of them so that's uh moriarty's challenge will be in this uh and i'm excited about that uh it's really fucking absurdly hard so mm-hmm. i'll be interested to see what when i designed it um i just went i it's hard you know i couldn't go to their offices or whatever and so um i was talking to them over email and over to capcom and i basically just took a bunch of youtube videos that were already existing and i'm like from this point to this point is the first phase and then from this point to this point in this video is the second phase and so on and so forth and it's really long and really it's gonna be quite a difficult classic Colin. yeah really long it's gonna be awesome um hyrule warriors legends for 3ds we've got some new character announcements we got tomb link tetra skull kid a new character called linkle looks like a female link mm-hmm. but instead of having a sword spin she has a spin kick yep yep Linkle. Linkle. Instead of a spin attack. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me with that fucking name. Kick. It's cool that, you know, it was funny. I was just thinking about this. Not Linkle. <laughs> what? I was just <laughs> But I was about. just thinking about what, and it's not gonna happen in this new Zelda game either, but it would be cool to roll reverse Link Zelda oh, yeah, at some totally. point. At some point to make the to make Link the female and still, I guess you'd have to roll reverse their names maybe too, because you, know, you can't have like a male Zelda, I guess. But it would be cool to play as the female and g- go to save the male. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I want you know, uh, a, a diversity quota or whatever necessarily. I just think that that would be kind of neat. We've yeah. seen this one yeah. story so many times. Yeah, so you've heard that all the time that like they'd love. I'd love to see a Legend of Zelda where you play as Zelda in your after. And you've played yeah, as I mean, she yeah, yeah, and all yeah, these yeah, kinds yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah, but yeah. it's 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 it would be cool to play. I guess you didn't even have to. You wouldn't have to roll reverse even with names. It would be cool to just play as Zelda and go to save Link, mm-hmm. and it could still be a Legend of Zelda game. Yep. Um. So I just think that that would be a neat perspective. Because uh, there does need to be some freshness thrown into the series, although yeah. I think we're going to get that actually with the Wii U game. Because I really do believe that this is going to be like an, a true open world RPG, yeah. a very Western inspired game. I mean, I think it's. I think it's. If they the, do that. That sounds awesome. I think it has the. It seems like that's what they're doing, yeah. I, and we've seen very little of the game. But it and just I seems think like the it. reason we've seen so little of the game is because it's that mm. you know, like the little things we've seen have just been kind of traveling around, and that says a lot for traversing that, that this giant open game, world. Yeah. Yeah. My dream Zelda game is uh, Romeo and Juliet '90s movie style version of it where it takes place like in the future and remember romeo and juliet like the swords were guns and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah. you're talking about the leo Zelda. dicaprio yes, claire danes joint john leguizamo opponent to be like a motorcycle and shit i'd be fucking into that um dragon quest 7 and 8 confirmed to come to 3ds huge. in early 2016 no one cares huge absolutely no one. it's a huge deal um <laughs> pe- most people probably don't care but it's uh dragon quest 7 Especially, but Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest Seven and Eight are games people really fucking love. People really love those games, and one of my friends uses the term JRPG, ass JRPG, meaning like it's a really, it's uh, these are fucking insanely deep games. Mm-hmm. Like that Dragon Quest Seven is a hundred, hundred fifty hour game. I mean, it's it's not it's th- that game's no joke, and a lot of people missed it because it was it was a PS One game, and, and it came out pretty late. I think it was a two thousand or two thousand one even, 
uh, release. So it came out around when, like, remember, there were some late PS1 RPGs like Final Fantasy Origins and all that kind of stuff. This was around that era a little earlier. And so people people missed out on it. Um, and that was, a, I, if I remember correctly, that was a pre-Square Enix game. That was a, that was an Enix published game. Yeah. And that might be the last, one of the last Enix published games. Um, so uh, it's cool to see that game again. And then Dragon Quest VIII was a PS2 game with a similar pedigree of just incredible depth and um i like dragon quest 9 i thought it was a good game it was a, a 3ds or a ds exclusive i think um i reviewed it i think when we were at ign but it, it was missing like a certain something about it je je mm. that i think seven and eight had because seven and eight were bucking the trends of what was going on in rpgs around them by remaining very true and that's yeah. always been dragon quest's kind of mantra until 10 which was like an mmo for some reason um so it's cool that these games are coming out people have been begging for these games the last time i was in japan um, which was over a year ago, 8 was about to come out, I think, on 3DS, and, and it just didn't seem like it was going to happen, because these games are very dense, and localizing them is not going to be easy, so um, or isn't easy, but it's it's awesome that they're coming out. Um, Dragon Quest is really, um, whether it's Dragon Quest Heroes on PS4, that Dragon Quest Builder game that's going to be on Vita, um, these Dragon Quest uh, re-releases, the PS4 and Vita bundles that are in Japan, or whatever, Dragon Quest is really living again, plus the announcement that Dragon Quest Eleven is going to be a traditional Dragon Quest game, which got a lot of people very excited. Dragon Quest is kind of going through a, a renaissance right now. In addition to like some of the games like Joker and all these kinds of games, monsters that that are kind of the um, the ancillary, you know, spinoff. Yeah, spinoff kind of games or whatever that are kind of still floating around. So I have a real like a soft spot for Dragon Quest. I always have. It's one of it's one of the games that got me into high fantasy and into role playing games. So um, when I was very young. So it's exciting that that these are coming out. And that's I haven't played a 3DS game since uh, Zelda. So um so those will probably be the next two I play mm-hmm. and I'll probably lose myself to them because I just they're grind fests and I like those kinds of games. They're not like super story driven or very pretty or anything like that. They're just fun. Mm-hmm. You know? um, if you like that kind of stuff. So I skipped over this somehow, but Pokemon Red, Blue and Yellow coming to virtual console on the 3DS. I had no idea that they weren't out. That's so oh weird my that God. I'm, this, so this is huge news. This is the first time a Pokemon game has been released digitally like on virtual console. Like an old an one. An old one. At least. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's that, why I, I didn't know that that was a. Uh, why is that, that a thing? So that's the thing because of how Pokemon work, like the way that the there's so much trading and battling and how the games interact and all that stuff, where you know, Pokemon Red and Blue and then Gold and Silver, those generations happened. And then when the GBA generations happened, it was kind of like a reboot of the series because you couldn't have GBA games and Game Boy games talk to each other. Yeah. Okay. So then they they released Ruby and Sapphire, and then they released Fire Red and Leaf Green, which were remakes of Red and Blue. And then that allowed you to catch all the the Pokemon like between the different you know generations or whatever, and then when the DS happened, the DS could also interact with GBA games, so that was never an issue. Okay, you know, I got you. And so Pokemon games are one of those things where they don't drop in price ever because you always need them. You always need them. So Nintendo has you know a very special thing with how they release games where their shit just doesn't ever get cheap. Smash Bros. will always be retail price, you know. Yeah. And uh, Pokemon's one of those things. So to see them actually do this is huge. I never thought that we'd see them on virtual console. And I'm super excited. This means that we might get to see Gold and Silver. And I would love to play the original Gold and Silver again. Like As of now, the only ways to play those games are either originally with the consoles, which at this point is hard because my batteries are all dead and shit, so it doesn't save right, or emulation via PSP or however you want to do it. I like that there's now going to be an official way to sure. play these games again. And Oh, yeah. You jumping well, back in? Oh, I'm jumping in. Okay. I think I might make Nick play, too. I want Nick to beat a Pokemon game, specifically yellow version. Pikachu edition. Greg, okay. If you didn't know. I didn't, you didn't know. know. The yellow version means was, Pikachu. It's so there's red and blue. Yellow was like the enhanced version of it that was based on the anime. So you come across Team Rocket, Jesse and James. 
Oh, right. She walks around yeah. and follows you. Should I play one? Is there three? So I can play one? Do I need to play one? Oh, yeah, you should. We can each choose a different starter. We can trade wirelessly now, which is a new function. <laughs> Fine. Which is cool. No link cables needed. I'm very excited about this. We got a date, too. What was the date? Hold on. No linkle cables. No linkle cables. Uh, <laughs> what a terrible fucking name. Linkle. linkle. February 27th. <laughs> it's Tingle and Linkle. The, the tingle, same day tingle was the my dude. came out. Talk, the day. Tingle was my Talk dude. shit about Tingle. I fucking dare. <laughs> I am Watch upset about this, though, because Japan apparently is getting retail versions of red, blue, green, and yellow. I was going to say, 3DS. we never got green ever. We never right? did. Well, we Which got, was the original Pokemon. Yeah, we got leaf green when they remade it, but we didn't get a remake of blue. It's weird. Yeah. It was always, I was always fascinated by Pokemon green because I was always like, this isn't like, like what a, the fuck is it? It's just that, that was like the OG Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Then the biggest announcement. All of a sudden, Cloud Strife announced in Super Smash Brothers. What the fuck? <laughs> Who saw this coming? Yeah, no one. It was weird. This is a weird one. This is a weird one. Because I think, I think like we said, we did a video about it. And I said, this could either have like deep meaning in terms of the future, mm-hmm. or this could really literally mean nothing at all. And I think um, that's and, great. And, because and, yeah, I, I think that th- this at least hints at Final Fantasy VII Remake coming to the NX. And I would love that. That this is good signs for the future of the NX right now. Not necessarily that anything's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think you might be reading into it happen. too much, but I think that, but I don't necessarily know if you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of the thing is that I just this is such a weird one. This is a weird one. Uh, Cloud has literally nothing to do with Nintendo. He has everything. To do. <laughs> and so, and, and, theater rhythm. Yeah, Final but Fantasy. but it's like people have been comparing this on Twitter to like when Snake was in was in Smash, and I was like, well, no, it's not the that same at count. all because Snake Twin Snakes, Twin Snakes, and and the first Metal Gear game was an MSX and NES game, so it's it, there. There's there's lineage. There's a history. There's like a definitive, definitive history. There are three Metal Gear games that were on Nintendo platforms only. Um, so, including if you include Snake's Revenge as well. So, it's it's one of these things where I see Cloud and I'm like, all right, well, Final Fantasy VII's only Nintendo connection in the main is that it was going to be a Nintendo game, um, and then it just wasn't. It couldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't, you know, execute their vision on a cartridge. So it's it's. Interesting in that way, my what I what I what I read into this is that it might not mean anything at all, except yeah. for the fact that there's two things. This is a clear shot at Sony. If my if my mindset is right in the sense that Sony could not secure this character for PlayStation All Stars, or they, they just couldn't they, get uh, lightning. No, they they couldn't get anyone. They couldn't get shit. They couldn't get and Crash. If Crash comes to Smash Bros, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and that's possible. I mean, you know, that, it's possible as well. But it's you think that's the December announcement? <laughs> oh my god! No, I don't think they would. I don't think they would do that. But. The, there was a lot of rumors or conjecture that no one wanted or a lot of publishers and IP holders didn't want their, their characters involved in All-Stars because it wasn't a proven IP. And mm-hmm. this says that if that was the case with Square, and we don't know if it was or not, that they actually, you know, unlike All-Stars, they see a lot of promise in Smash. And of course they do, because Smash is a fantastic series and a fantastic game. Um, but it's, it shows that, you know, people were desperate for Cloud mm-hmm. and for Crash. Um, and they just got Cloud in, the, in, I wouldn't even say the competitor, it's just the game that inspired all, all, All-Stars in a way. So I, I think, at the very least, this is an overt shot at Sony um, to get one of their characters. A character, I mean, there's there's really few characters that are more closely associated with PlayStation's history than Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the conspiracy theorist in me kind of thinks that this means more than just uh, than just getting it. And I don't know if it's, I don't know that it's the, the Final Fantasy VII remake necessarily, because as far as I understand, that is a PlayStation first game. Um, and it will come out on PC First. as well. Yeah, exactly. But I wonder if this maybe insinuates that the Final Fantasy VII port is mm-hmm. going to come to Wii U. That'd be great. Um, so I, w- I wonder if that mm-hmm. might be a little more reasonable to, to assume than than um, than the game being ported. At yeah, you know, Smash has a weird history of kind of predicting what's going to happen, and it 
doesn't necessarily, like you're saying, mean anything. You know, we saw Pit in Brawl, and then we eventually saw the Kid Icarus game on 3DS, mm-hmm. but then we saw Ice Climbers, still haven't seen them come back and do anything. No, they're still missing. So yeah, they are still missing. Fucking But there's, there's a lot of stuff like that that it really doesn't mean anything. And I think Smash kind of gave up on the whole this needs to make sense stuff a while back. Like Snake was like, what the fuck? Even though he has lineage Nintendo, really, he's... This the odd man out when it came to no, he at was, least he up was. till Brawl. You he, know? No, he was. Yeah. But now that we have the Wii U one with Pac-Man, yeah, okay, Pac-Man games were on Nintendo, but that doesn't mean shit. Namco made the game, that's why that happened. No, I think that that's why. I mean, well, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying is that you didn't have to there could have been deeper meaning in Snake or Pac-Man being on the on the the, the systems, except for the fact that there's just obvious reasons of why they probably were. Mm-hmm. Snake with his lineage and Pac-Man just being a you know, Bandai Namco's like icon is Pac-Man, yeah. so of course they're gonna shove him in there somewhere. But then yeah. Ryu is another thing. Like, he's a newer character that I could, once Ryu was added, I was like, nothing. Makes I can sense. no longer yeah, predict what's going on. In this that game. that that too. But again, there is a significant Nintendo legacy. Like the original Street Fighter 2049 was a Nintendo game, and so it's it's you know that's an NES game, and then Street Fighter 2 was was at home on Super Nintendo. That's where everyone played the fucking game because the Genesis version was so borked, you know, mm-hmm. with the control scheme. So it was so again. There might be more to it, or there might not. There clearly isn't with Street Fighter Five because that's a PlayStation game, but and a PC game. But mm-hmm. that made sense to me too. I mean, that's where I played Street Fighter Two, Street Fighter Two Turbo, Super Street Fighter Two. Like I played all of those on Super Nintendo. So there is a, uh, uh, and obviously Street Fighter, the original Street Fighter. So that wasn't as confusing to me. The point I'm making with Cloud is that there's nothing, yeah, connected no, to, to Nintendo. And also they they overtly. I mean, there was Final Fantasy Seven music, like, and they even showed the Final Fantasy Seven logo. Like it was built up to make it kind of look like Final Fantasy 7 was coming mm. in some form before yeah. Smash even happened. Usually Smash trailers start off with the new the Smash like bring like the fire burning thing and in the direct it didn't. In the trailer if you watch on YouTube now it does. But <coughs> excuse me. Um that's interesting cuz they usually always show that first. So they were trying to trick us. Um I'm so excited about this, but like you were saying earlier, I'm more excited about the fact that we're getting a fucking Smash direct next month. Yeah. Like that's huge. What do you think it's going to be? Stages, characters? Oh yeah, I mean, there's definitely characters. Definitely, state. We'll get a release date for Cloud. It might. I am willing to bet it will be one of those. Like they're available now, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Cloud. Wolf will come back to promote Star Fox. Um, Shovel Knight. I'm going to be shocked if he's not in it. Like he has the amiibo. Um, Ice climbers. For God's sake. Maybe, I mean, at this point, the only characters in Smash that aren't back are Ice Climbers, Snake, Wolf. Pichu. I think that's it. Pichu doesn't need to come Pichu's back. Pichu's not coming back. That was back. a waste. I will be shocked. I uh. never thought Roy would come back either, though, so I don't know. There's no no rules. I know that there are no some tech I know there's some technical limitations with the Ice Climbers. Apparently, I don't really believe that. Uh and making those characters run on 3DS. So that that's the rumored reason why they're or maybe that's be, the reason. that is the reason. But that's I just like, like figure it out. Yeah. You know what no, I mean? Like, I'm sure they, they like I, I I know that they weren't very popular characters, but those were my characters. Yeah. And I, I and I and I loved playing as them. You can't change your name on Sony because of technical limitations, you can't play as Ice Climber. I have a feeling that the reason I think that they're not there for a reason, and that is they just want to bring them back at some point as DLC. And I think that they will. But it's not even that exciting for most people. You know, like this was something you should have done like immediately. Like this should have been the first piece of DLC. Because I think that I think now so deep, it's like People are going to be like, well, they're just people are going to be disappointed, and that and that's going to no, disappoint but, but me. I think, <laughs> but I think that this is going to be like a Lucas announcement, where it's just like, yeah, you get Roy, or well, Roy is kind of a big deal coming back from melee, and Ryu, oh, and Lucas, you know, so and Mewtwo as well. It's like these returns; they're not supposed to be the like, oh shit, things. It's more like you also get this, just so they can say there's three characters, mm. you know. 
but the, the roster is getting ridiculous at this point. Yeah, it's getting it's getting, it's getting it's quite awesome. it's quite quite robust. And there are there are some third parties that I would you know or some other character. I would I always really wanted Wily in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have rather had Wily than Mega Man. Uh, but to play like I've always said, like play like Pokemon Trainer, which I think mm-hmm. would have been fun with the different masters. But you know, we'll see. They're probably rounding it out. I can't imagine they're going to support this game for much longer after that. I just I, not not because it's not selling. It's an extraordinarily popular game. It's just like you got to kind of wane it let it wane and, and maybe bring it to NX at some point. I mean, th- so that's my thing is I can't believe that a Smash Direct was just announced. Like we got, this is going to be the th- third Smash specific Direct that we've gotten over the last couple of years. Like right before one came out, they had one and they announced, I think it was like 50 huge things coming to Smash Bros. So not only did they give me a Smash Bros video, they gave me a list video. <laughs> announced a whole bunch of shit. And I'm like, what? And now at this point, we can play an eight player match where those players are Pac-Man, Mega Man, Mario, Sonic, Cloud, Ryu, and I don't know, whatever, Pikachu. That's insane. No dry bones, though. Yeah, not yet. I doubt ever. The Womp. But then, then they <laughs> had the, the other Direct where it announced Roy and um, Ryu and stuff. That, that's insane. Now we're getting another one? This might be the last one. Like, this might be the, here's the final thing. But also, I love that it's going right into the holidays. I'm stoked. It's fun to see you so excited. Oh, this is Usually so good. Usually it's always just bad Nintendo news for you. No, but here you are, a ray of so sunshine. Good. So good. You're out but, there. But then you talk about the NX, I think that there is a, a chance for them to keep supporting this game and then somehow just transfer it over to NX. I think that's probably the smart ah! move. I think that's probably the smart move. I and I, and I, wonder if, I wonder if Bandai Namco's not only already working on that. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, I, I'm of two minds with the Nintendo Direct mentality. Like I said, like it's it's really a cool, very cool way to speak to your fans um, in a way that's unfiltered um, and rehearsed. So it, it's meaningful and impactful or whatever. I also like I was saying, I always kind of make fun of Nintendo Direct as, a, as well, just because they are very like, bye, 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 bye. And don't forget and don't forget and don't forget. And you can have this, 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 this. And I'm like, that's cool. But I feel like because that's what games are. right? That's what fucking E3, every Sony exactly, conference, yeah, every yeah. Microsoft conference. But it's not quite as like shoving Overt, it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm like, it's, it feels a little dirty sometimes. Where I'm like, I fucking get it, guys. Like, the games are for sale. Like, just show them to me. And let's talk about release dates. Right? But I don't have to qu- kind of like, you know, it seems a little, it, it comes off as a little much to me, too. But with that said, like, I do think it's it's uh, extremely effective. Yeah. You know? I see. I love it because we either get to see it in a fun video that creates an event out of this thing. Or it's the same information in a press release that's just release date and a price tag. You know, I would much rather hear stupid jokes and then. This thing, just because even though I would never have watched the trailer for some of those things, now I'm forced to to see the Cloud Strife announcement, you mm-hmm. know? And I love that. It's 45 minutes. It's not like it's... No, it's, I mean, it's not time-consuming. It's yeah. fun. I mean, it's it's a fun... We always said when Vita had come out and really started to die immediately that that <laughs> it would... Uh, it would have been cool for them to have, like, Vita Directs and stuff like that mm-hmm. or that, that kind of style. But it's just... That's a Nintendo thing, and I don't know if anyone can even really mimic it or attempt to mimic it because they'll be called out on it. I think Nintendo kind of hit gold with, with this m- notion of cutting the middleman. They're good at that. Because the middlemen are not that important anymore. Like it's it's more about just speaking directly to your fans. You're, yeah. th- you can find a group of anyone that likes to go to the Fire Emblem people, go to the Pokemon people. You can just talk directly to them. You don't have to filter it through like a bunch of other people. So mm-hmm. they they were really the first ones to realize it. And so you know more power to them for that. Yep. So guys, topic two of the day. Colin, this one's really for you now, Greg. Mm. Yeah. I want your thoughts as well. But I'm glad. You know, for months we've been doing this show. This is the eleventh month. Eleventh month. Of the kind of funny games cast, and every month we we've talked about Fallout Four ah. coming, mm-hmm. gonna be this thing mm. that takes over everyone's mm-hmm. lives. The world's gonna stop, you know. Mm-hmm. Everyone will see the light. No video game will sell a single copy because Fallout Four That's is gonna hyperbolic. sell. I don't think I said all that. of the copies. <laughs> 
now that it's here, yeah. now that you you put a uh, put some time into the game, mm-hmm. has Fallout Four changed the world? No, Fallout Four hasn't changed the world. But I never said it was going to I change know, the I, world. I'm being, I'm being an asshole. But here. it's definitely changed the gaming world. I mean, you know, it's. It, it's not like change the way we're going to look at games forever or anything like that. I don't think it's it's that particular game, but it's fun watching the statistics, especially on PC, how the game's doing. It sold 1.2 copy or a million copies uh, in a day on PC. It had more concurrence than Dota, um, which is like ridiculous uh, for a single player game. Um, it's definitely a phenomenon. I mean, it's definitely clearly going to sell very, 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 very well. I don't know if I'd call it a phenomenon, right? I think everybody's lives are just about normal. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you were waiting for that. I was like, what I about you? when you do I bring up the pit boy arm? <laughs> so loud. I'm excited. I've I've been uncorked lately. You've been uncorked? Yeah. Oh, on your loudness? Just yeah. lately? Yeah. 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 The last couple of days of calling Greg Live, we've been having fun. You brought out the good in me. Yeah. It's been I forgot about fun. how much fun that show can be. <laughs> you guys could just keep doing it. I just, could, I'll just that's fine with me. That's totally but fine. But I mean so you know, going back to it though, like I'm being hyperbolic about it, but like you really did kind of hype this up as as like it was just gonna change. Like not change the world, but like you know, life ends. Th- like things were fucked that were around this. Yeah. And like, did you still stand by that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been interesting to watch. I think I was probably wrong about Black Ops Three, considering. And I, ta- I think I, ta- I don't know where I talked about that. I think I thought it was on the show, but about how I kind of didn't really understand the undercurrent of Call of Duty fandom about how it's swayed out of nowhere to Treyarch. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, people hated Treyarch like five years ago, so I didn't realize that that had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I saw the game. Uh. People have been sending me links. I didn't, I didn't read any of them, but but about Call of Duty, Black Ops Three selling extraordinarily well. Yeah, so. today we did a story on Call yeah. of Duty Live from Variety that it's the biggest entertainment launch this year. of all time or this year. Yeah, of yeah. all time, this five hundred and fifty million dollars, right? Yes. Beating Jurassic Beating World, Jurassic but not World. explaining if it included the bundle prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's definitely selling well. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen how Battlefront's doing. Obviously, Microsoft's mm-hmm. been weird with Halo numbers. They don't really have anything interesting. Do you think that was because of Ghost though? The Call of Duty thing. Because, you know, forever it was just the Modern Warfare, Black Ops kind of switch off, right? And uh, then yeah, the I mean, Ghost not, was kind of the one that just came out of nowhere. And, yeah, well, there was World at War and, and other things, and then Advanced was Warfare was after that as, as well. I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but, I mean, it was more studios oh, Advanced going back Warfare, you're right. There wasn't um, So it's, it's uh, I don't know if it's specifically that. I think it's more that there's more developers in the mix now, and, and these games seem to be more collective efforts as well. The Call of Duty games seem to be just a kind of an, a whole Activision first party kind of effort when they, you know, with Raven and, and all these other studios kind of working on them. Just the way Neversoft worked on them for a while. Yeah. Um, so has it changed like everything? No, I mean, it. it I, I, we, I played it, you know, for 15 hours before it came out. I actually haven't played the game in like a week um, just because other things have come up in, in my own life and I've not really been playing games. But uh you know, it's just watching anecdotally the way people feel about it. It seems like some people don't like it. Um, that's not surprising to me. Uh, a lot of people, I don't want to say a lot, but people didn't like Fallout 3 in New Vegas as well. The same problems they had with those games are the problems that they have with this game. So well, so that's, that's the kind of stuff you can't really solve for. I mean, Bethesda could p- potentially solve for it, I guess. But, but they, then they that's don't. alienating the people that like what this is. Well, that's what's fascinating about the whole thing is the people who are against it, who are saying, well, it's this, it's that, it looks bad, it's glitchy, this, that, and the other. I just feel like, what did you expect? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is back to what we talk about a little bit with when I talk about my Batman DLC, right? Like, I had my expectations set at the correct level, and I, you know, that's what this game is. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm getting what I expected out of Fallout 4, and that's awesome and great, mm-hmm. and I'm loving it. You know what I mean? But I do see people super bent out of shape about it, that it's this, that, the other. I'm just like, well, just because they jumped to a platform didn't mean their engine was going to suddenly, like, snap into sh- and yeah. it would be amazing, and there's a draw distances, and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about that, where you were saying that, like, you expect this, yeah. but you, you're hoping that, yeah. like, something crazy changes, but, like... I mean, you didn't expect that. And that's why you're not let down. Exactly. You know, you're enjoying exactly. what you got. It is 
interesting to me to see everyone else freak the fuck out though because like the internet right now they're like oh like this is like a telltale game the engine fucking sucks and this and that and it's just like i don't know about that i think it's the back to what we we're talking about with like again we've talked about this on multiple shows and you know we make uh, colin and i hatch one point usually and then just beat it into the ground through five or six shows i had made this point right that i thought what this fallout would be is you know similar to what persona 5 is going to be right where all of a sudden there's finally this giant game that comes out in a series everyone's talked about forever you know what i mean and i don't know how many people who are like it's a telltale game i had ever, ever played fallout 3 and really understood what that game looked like and felt like and ran like mm-hmm. you know what i mean so now they're jumping into this game this franchise that everyone's made out to be so beloved so amazing so life-changing yeah and you get there like this isn't that at all yeah i think the the problems are predictable i mean i i, I didn't i didn't i wasn't under under no illusion that the, the bethesda it's a bethesda game and it's going to run like a bethesda game and there's a lot of again hyper hyperbole out there about the way the game looks and the way the game runs, and I understand that. I mean, all I can speak of from from my point of view, having only played about 15 hours of the game, is I've not run into any game breaking bugs or anything like super bad yeah. in the game in 15 hours. And I I, I can tell you that I, I didn't go that far into Fallout 3 or New Vegas without running into significant bugs or getting stuck in the environment mm-hmm. or something. I'm not saying that that's not happening to people. It definitely is, but but it's not happening to me. So I, that didn't suck me out of the experience. The hyperbole about the way the game looks, if it looks like Fallout 3, like, no, it doesn't. You really don't know what the hell you're talking about if you think the game looks like Fallout 3. I mean, no no offense. Like, just put the two but games I, I just put the two games next to each other. The art styles are the same. Yeah. They're bland, post-apocalyptic art styles, and I'm not a huge fan of, of that. I think what people are reacting to is Dying Light and Witcher 3, which are these gigantic next-gen open-world games that just look and run way, way, way better, and they're no less ambitious than mm-hmm. Fallout, and I think that's the problem. That's why I said in our review discussion, Fallout 4 is the epitome of a game that was made in a vacuum. This is a game that has been under development since before Skyrim came out, so this is a game that was in development since at least 2011, if not 2010. So it's just the nature of the way the game was developed, and I don't. I'm sure, but that's a, they're not stupid. They know that they, they're they're sacrificing one thing for the other. It's a matter of if you. It's a matter of if you enjoy being sucked into that world, and you can let those things go. I do think it doesn't look good aesthetically mm-hmm. next to Witcher Three, which is really just as big and maybe even more ambitious in some ways. And so I understand why people are upset about that. That's why I'm so impressed with the way CD Projekt Red and Techland really came out of nowhere. And, yeah, and are making games on Bethesda's level because that was see when Fallout 3 came out no one was making games like that like no one was really 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 making games like that except for Bethesda whether it was Morrowind or Oblivion or Fallout 3 or Skyrim I mean these were kind of uniquely Bethesda games but now there's it's not to say no one was making open world RPGs or anything like that it was just to say that the breadth of those games were really unrivaled and that's not the case anymore so um I think people are reacting to that as well it's a matter of the content of the games and the world and whether or not you enjoy those things or not. But I think, I I think that um, I'm not super surprised about people's reaction to fallout four because it's people's reaction to fallout three. Nothing anyone is saying about this game on an aesthetic or engine level is anything new, you know? And so like none of it, not, not a single thing. So what I'm a bit more surprised about with fallout four are the things that I don't like that have nothing to do with that. Um, And that's not something that I, that I hear a lot of people talking about because I think I'm kind of in the minority on that. So, Mm -hmm. What about you, Greg? What about it? How are you feeling? Love it. Good. 58 hours in, beat the story last night. Tonight's mission will be to go back, play the other way, go, you know, go make other choices mm-hmm. to see the other side of the ending. Keep working on the platinum. Uh, and keep chipping away at it. Keep going at it. You know, uh, yeah, beat it 58 hours in, level 43, I believe, is where that ended for me. Uh, plenty more to do. Tons more to do. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to go out to platinum it and do all this stuff. It's, it's, it's like what we're talking about, right? It's what I expected. I don't think it, I don't think it, it you know, I was talking, like we talked about on the show, right? Like, I, I this is what I expect it to be, and I hope it you know is, it supersedes those. You know, gets it gets past that. Mm-hmm. Did it 
maybe a little bit here and there, but overall it's very much fallout. And that's what I was in the mood for. And the, that's the thing is like, you know, I, I remember when I was getting excited for Witcher, like Christine was giving me such shit. She's like, you never played the other Witcher games. You don't even like high fantasy. Like, why are you into this? And I'm like, I just want to get into a world where I can exist. And that's what fallout is. Fallout's the, you know, the, the, the world I'd want to exist in, in terms of, you know, Witcher or fallout, right? That's the, you know, I like Western role playing games, but I like them when they are set in America or there's these touchstones for me to connect with. Whereas when yeah. Geralt's fighting all these goddamn witches, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's happening or care. This is the game where, yeah, I want to keep chipping away and I want to get to level 50 and I want to do all these things. I'm, I'm a little bit, not, not upset, I guess, but right. Like going back tonight and playing the other this other direction in my story and then going back and going to this one place to do these quests that I, I didn't get the chance to first do is fun but i'm actually kind of disappointed in that because i made my choices and i made my thing and now i want to explore the world after those choices you know what i mean with mm-hmm. my character and what i built but now it's like well now i gotta go back and do these like fake little things so yeah. you then go back to go there and why, I why I do you have them. to do that a platinum i want to so you you miss trophies because of the decisions you made yeah that you there are you definitely have to have save files before you make choices to platinum the game in quote quote unquote one playthrough and not go back and replay and do a different thing like late in the game yeah well that's not that uh, th- that's, that's not uncommon no that's not uncommon but the the at least it doesn't end like fall three ended right um and they actually had a, they actually had to like really patch the, that the, yeah they made a big deal about that that when <laughs> this game ends you can keep playing it's that was such a that was like so stupid I hated that um yeah I I, I think that Fallout four yeah it's definitely I mean the game's gonna sell you know ten plus million I have no doubt about that the um. If if that's like that's only like a couple more million I think than Witcher sold, so it's obviously it's obviously going to be this huge phenomenon. So do I stand by this like game changing alt game altering mind altering kind of thing? Yeah, in the sense that it's it's very disruptive game. Tomb Raider is supposed to be really really good on Xbox One. I'll be really interested to see how poorly it sells. Yeah, like, no, I, I, like, I I I don't see anyone talking about it, and I yeah. don't and I well I see a lot of people talking. about it. Well, I it. see people the reviews went up, and I see people saying like oh it's good, and I saw a few people from IGN like our fr- old friends haven't played it. I don't see any like organic conversation in our community about it at all. There was yeah the like, other day not, like have you been on the Facebook page not since so, yesterday, like, but no no I, I mean I haven't seen the kind of funny Facebook group. I mean I I was almost going to make this a topic on the the show of just like the fanboyism going on of the people that are fighting for Tomb Raider versus Fallout the Xbox One versus PS4, and I just thought it was ridiculous of how passionate people are getting about um, the specific things. Well, but I see a lot predicted. of... Yeah, yeah I mean, I that's, I'm, I'm, that's, that's fanboy stuff. I'm, no, I, I, don't like, think, I don't think Tomb Raider is going to sell very well, and, and, I, and I, I don't think it's a reflection on the game. I'll be really interested to see, based on the install base of Xbox One, if the game actually sells better on PlayStation 4, um, yeah. because it'll come out there next year. I think that that's probably a, a, not a likely, but a, but a possible scenario. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you got to take these things kind of with a grain of salt because I'm looking more for data than than passionate. The thing about people. it was yesterday, yeah. it was something along the lines of, and this is wrong, but it was like, you know, on Twitter for the trends, right? It was like 200,000 tweets about Fallout 4, and then it was like 2,000 about t- Tomb Raider. It, there was like this giant gap that where it was like they were right next to each other on my little trends thing, and mm-hmm. then the numbers were way, way off. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a lot like on Gaff and everywhere. Like, there's Good. definitely a lot of positive chatter about. I want it to do well. Weird. I just I don't think that it's. I mean, it's doing very well. Um, critically, I just don't. I I think it was just a huge mistake to release it then. I think they'll see that when the MPD plays out. But, mm-hmm. um, because between that and Call of Duty, I mean, where is the mind? Yeah, really no, for it? sure. And then Battlefront comes out next week, so, yeah. um, it's pretty much game over for Tomb Raider, I think. But, but, uh, not in a critical way. And I'm sure. I hope it's profitable. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, that's one of those. Another one of those things where I'm hope I'm wrong because it seems like the game's. Yeah. Quite good, but I I'm, just don't see how it how it, it's going to exist in and in, in, in a world where on PC alone Fallout Four is there's like five hundred thousand people at one time playing the game at any given time on uh, it's like okay so that's just that's just an extraordinary amount of mind share being taken up by a single player game and a lot of new people are coming to the four as well and remember that Fallout Three sold like four four and a half million units by the end of two thousand eight so like 
you're going to look at three times that, if not more, probably with Fallout 4, just based on similar install bases of these consoles. You know, remember, PS3 at that time was only two years old, um, which is hard to, you know, hard to kind of kind of contextualize, but it's true. So um, PS4 outselling PS3, there's going to be more of these consoles in the, in the wild. Fallout's very popular on PC. So I don't know. It's just there's only so much oxygen. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm excited to play Tomb Raider when I'm done with Fallout. But when am I going to be done with Fallout? And then on top of that, Battlefront's going, and I want to be—I yeah. actually want to play Battlefront when other people are playing Battlefront. And it's like I, my Tomb Raider time keeps slipping and slipping, and then, then it's Thanksgiving, and I'm not bringing the Xbox One to Chicago. You know what I mean? Like with, you'd have to—you'd have to check that shit, right? I'd have to get one of the Pelican cases, wheel it in there, put the big fragile. And it's so on heavy that you probably have to pay more money. So when do you when do you think you're going to get back into Fallout, Colin? Uh, I'd like to. I mean, I just have not had the moment to do it. I've, I've I had a kind of a crazy weekend. We were doing extra life. I don't play games on Sundays because I watch football. Um, Monday. I mean, they were working, and you know, yesterday I had dinner plans. Tonight I have dinner plans. So it's uh, I as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like I, it just kind of life has intervened. How many uh, hours do you see yourself putting into it once you do get back? I mean, I want to beat it. Um, and I I assume I'll platinum it as well. So I mean, I however long that takes, but um. You know, I want to spend time with it. I mean, I, I it's nothing. It, the reason I've not played the game is nothing against the game. It's just that, you know, uh, life has intervened. So um, I did not anticipate life was going to intervene in this way. But uh, but it has. And so I just roll with it. And I'm kind of happy about it because I'm not really anxious to play it right now. Mm-hmm. My mind's oh, excuse me. My mind's kind of occupied with other stuff. So it's just uh, I'll get to it. We'll be there. And See, and I, That's all I want to do. Everything we do. Every conversation with Kevin. I'm like, shut up and get out of my house. Yeah. So I can just play Fallout. And again, not because I'm trying to ma- run through and be crazy. I just want to exist in that world. Sorry, Kevin. You suck. It's another big question, and I don't want like the actual answer to this because we'll save that for uh, uh, the end of the year probably. But the game of the year conversation, is this still in the same place going into going into like you beat it, you haven't beat it yet, but just going into still having two months left of this year, is where is this in the conversation? It's going to be high on the, in the conversation, I think. I mean, I haven't, I haven't beaten it yet, but I, I don't know that it's... Right now, it's not un, unseated games that I prefer over it, but it's it's um, it's going to be... In the, I mean, it's going to win Game of the Year awards from big, mm-hmm. big websites. I mean, in publications, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, we have to remember... I think it's settling more in the high 80s in Metacritic, which is a little lower than I thought it was going to, but sites have given it 9s and 9.5s pretty universally. Um, so it'll be hard to imagine that it's not going to be a, a, a be up in there. You know, with Metal all Gear, all up in it, all up in it. I there. think it'll be between that and Metal Gear. I still think that Witcher is going to get ignored by most outlets. We'll see. Kind of funny forums. Mm-hmm. Well, between that and Metal Gear, Greg, I mean, yeah. that's pretty much right up your alley. Yeah, no, and that's the thing right now is like I've been shy- I shied away from it on the live stream I did on whatever where I played seven hours on Monday, right? Because uh, people were asking me, and, I, and when I'm in the moment, I think that's really hard. I want to step back and really take it all in and da 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 and judge them as a game by game. I mean, all that said, all that bullshit out the window. I mean, having just beaten it last night, I think Metal Gear is still my pick. Mm. I love Fallout. It's great, but it's it is Fallout. It is what I expected. Uh, the ending didn't blow my hair back. You know what I mean? Like it was like okay, and but and like this morning I was talking to Christine about it in vague reference because she's still like you can hear her screaming as she streams mm-hmm. it right now, right? Of just like for me, Fallout games are about the journey, not the destination. Mm. And so there was like great moments. There's so many great moments in the journey. You know what I mean? So many things that I remember in my moments and da 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 da. And I think they did so much right. Like I keep going back to you know the, the fact that you finally speak and you see yourself when you talk and all these different things. But like overall, especially after trying to, <laughs> trying and failing to platinum Metal Gear at Extra Life, right? Yeah. Like jumping back into Metal Gear, it's like this is such a good fucking game. Like this is so well put together. You know what I mean? <coughs> yeah. 
Okay. Well, I'm really excited to see where this goes with all of us. I'm, yeah, I'm excited to get Tomb Raider in the mix because mm-hmm. that is the thing. Uh, like, you know, that is next for me as far in terms of single player games. And I, I like the tomb, first Tomb Raider a lot. You know what yeah. I mean? And like the reaction it's gotten from our critic fan, friends. You know what I mean? Alexa, Mitch, all these people who talk yeah. about it. Like, oh, I mean, the way really they're talking about it too, it's like, it sounds hyperbolic. Like some of it's just like, that sounds too good for what I would think a Tomb Raider game could be. Um, but it's still downloading at my house. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not to bring your unit over here. <laughs> yeah, but now it's like, it's like, Last I saw last night, it was like 56% downloaded. So I'm like, I'm not going to stop it now. I'm not surprised that it's good. I mean, I, I, oh, yeah. I, this, was a, this was a weird thing when people were talking about it where I'm like, where is, why is everyone surprised? You know, like I, I'm I, surprised I, it's good, I had no, but... I had no doubt it was going to be great. I mean, the, the, like the, what I was concerned, I felt bad for them because they're sending it out to die. And like, I, I just don't understand how you can't see it any other way, but. But like Aaron Greenberg told us on the podcast a few weeks ago, there was really no good choice. Your date's so, your date. yeah, like the they're they move it out of the way of fallout, and they're just going to be in the way of something else. So it's it's that might even be more catastrophic for them. So I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just felt bad for them because I knew the game was going to be great, and and uh, you know I feel bad that it's gonna you know it's just not going to be able to shine the way it probably should be able to shine. But um, I I still don't know that I'll play it until it comes to PS4. I just don't I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, because after after Fallout, I, I'd like to maybe you know try some other games that I missed this year. I still want to go back and be Dying Light, um, which I, I fucking adore. I adore that game, and I'm interested to see how, since I haven't played it in six plus months if I still adore it or not. And then I I really like I keep saying I really want to go back to Bioshock Infinite and, and uh, mm-hmm. Evil Within, and so I'm gonna try to use that time this 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 fall and winter if I can to to mm-hmm. kind of get through those games. I'm not really trying to. Like I said on our Fallout Four review, I'm not trying to be up in any game's ass anymore. Like, and that's why I, that's why I was trying to kind of trying to be a little more restrained when I had time to play Fallout Four to not play it, um, the way I would play games back in the in the day. Because I'm kind of just trying to savor them a little bit more and play at my leisure and and mix things up a little bit in terms of my entertainment, so that I'm really looking forward to going back to it. And now I'm in a position where I'm really looking forward to going back to Fallout. Um, I just don't have time now, so mm-hmm. it's just the, the way the cookie crust crumbles. That's I guess. just the way it is. Topic three for the day comes from. Patreon. Thank you all for supporting us on Patreon. Your names will be flowing across this beautiful screen. I'm not sure which way, but one of those two. No, they scroll down. They scroll down. Oh, it's down? Yeah. Man, I haven't seen them for a while. They come through and they go like this. Well, that's cool. Down. Also, this topic brought to you by Patreon from Brandon Ferguson. He says, thanks for the help. My Gamescast topic is, what video games have brought out the most emotion in you while playing? Thanks. I'm interested in hearing you answer this tim mm-hmm. i feel like colin and i talk about this stuff all emotion the time. stuff yeah i mean i have so many and the, the thing is emotion doesn't necessarily mean sadness i Good think point. a lot of, a Good lot point. of people kind of you know put those two things together we talk about things like journey and you know uh last of us and yeah. and, and For, we talk about walking dead a lot uh, yeah gone, and home, gone home like, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that and it's like yeah those are for the games i've played of that those are definitely emotional experiences but for me like the most emotion i've ever felt during a game I would say is Yoshi's Island, first game I ever beat. That was an emotional moment. Yeah. But the the final boss fight in that, I remember it being so epic and feeling so grand. And uh just like it was different than the rest of the game. And like Baby Bowser turns giant. He's like in the 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 fucking like way, way out there, and like the Super Nintendo's using some effect that like I hadn't seen before. Yeah. And I was like, what the shit is going on? I remember being overwhelmed with like it felt epic. The emotion of just like, holy shit, this is intense. And um, it was just a fucking Yoshi game, you know? <laughs> um, and with Pokemon, playing through, anytime there was a choice that you had to make that would affect 
stuff that you couldn't go back and change. Yeah. Choosing your starting Pokemon, choosing which evolution Eevee turns into, um, where are you going to use the Master Ball? Pokemon felt like it was my life. It felt like just as important to me as going to school and getting good grades to get into a better school, to get a job. To, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Every single choice felt like it had so much uh, resonance in my in my entire life nice. because all my friends were talking about the same things. All my friends were making the same decisions, and we had to make sure that all of our decisions kind of correlated so we can trade each other and and you know do all that type of stuff. And like that, that was definitely an emotional thing where it just took over. I've made a couple other notes. Um, Metal Gear. There's so many moments. Sure. Um, I think the the Sniper Wolf in Metal Gear Solid. That's what right? I was talking about when it goes back to me. And, you know, I talk about Metal Gear being a turning point in my life in terms of what I, I when I figure out what video games could be or where they were going kind of thing. And, yeah, I always go back to that. You know, it's me and Poe in my basement playing that on a summer night, right? And it's, like, two teenagers sitting there, and we're just, like, totally enraptured as, like, she's saying goodbye, and Ocelot yeah. comes up crying, and, like, we're both trying not to get choked up while we watch this. Probably me, as you know. I'm, I tend uh-huh. to cry. Yeah, I mean, but uh, that moment was... It definitely hit me, and then Metal Gear Solid Three. I think the entire end, oh, most yeah, of yeah. the plot of that game, but uh, the most emotional moment in video games ever for me, Metal Gear Solid Four, the uh, microwave. Microwave. That is holy it. shit. And I mean, the, the reason it was is because they treated it like a movie. Mm-hmm. There's the multiple aspects going on, the music swelling, everything was edited and cut perfectly. Like that wasn't so much gameplay as much as it was. An interactive experience. Right. But like they fucking they played with my emotions so much. Yeah. And they I felt exactly what they wanted me to feel. And that was four games of build up to that moment and that game specifically. Every single thing you did led to that. And like it was overwhelming. You know? Oh, sure. Yeah. I remember after it's it stopped, I wanted to save and just redo it again just to be like, holy shit, like show people. You That's know? the like, best when you're playing something you know this is awesome. Yeah. You know this moment is awesome. You can't believe it's happening. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? For me, like those awestruck moments, right? There's always one in the Batman games from from mm-hmm. Rocksteady, right? When you're going when I remember when uh I remember when, and then I immediately go, wait, which one was it? I believe it was, yeah, the original Arkham Asylum when I was playing that for review, right? And you get dosed with Scarecrow grass, right? And you turn the corner, and you are young Bruce Wayne, and you're, like, walking down the hallway, and your parents are there dead at the thing, and it was like, oh, like, it was just like, I didn't, not knowing anything about Rocksteady and what they were going to do, you were, I for sure wasn't expecting that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then you get there and that happens and you're like, well, what, the, what a fucking amazing moment. And then even in Arkham City, there's moments like that. And then Arkham Knight, no spoilers. You know, there's still things where all of a sudden it's like, holy shit. Like, I, it, it seemed like every time a new one came out, they would lull you into that sense of, yep, it's, it's Batman. You're punching and reversing and this and gliding. And, and then all of a sudden, here's this crazy thing you didn't expect them to do. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you're like slack jawed watching or playing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The same thing even with Fallout. Again, no spoilers. But like there's this one quest I went on and I don't know if everybody gets it or what. But like I use, it's like, you know, it's going to be this thing. It's a death defying mission. Dah, 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 and you suit up and you're going and you're going and you're marching. And you're marching. And it's a part of the game that looks like nothing else. And you're just going and going and going. And it's just like. As I'm doing, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, this is not what I expected to happen in this game, in this moment, mm. on this mission. And then you like, there's spoilery stuff all over yeah. that. But yeah, you know, it's just cool. No, I mean, something, a moment like that for me was surprisingly in Twilight Princess. Like, there's, everyone talks about Ocarina of Time, and Hyrule Field and all that stuff. But for some reason, Twilight Princess had that moment for me, like, kind of just, I've experienced it in Ocarina. But then yeah. Twilight Princess, just the, the graphics, like, it felt so vast in a time where I already knew what vast meant in video games. 
And I remember being on an opponent just running around and just being like, holy shit, this area is huge. Yeah. This is fucking Hyrule. This is the best Hyrule we'll ever get. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. it wasn't. But well, that was the same um, thing with, with Ocarina of Time. People always talk about Hyrule Field. Yeah, but for me, like the moment in the touchdown crazy moment of that is when you jump forward in time for the first time mm. and you're, you know, teen link or whatever. And you open that those doors and they had done such a great fucking job of setting up what like the town square looked like and how lively and bright yeah. and vibrant and fun and light. You know, I mean, light in terms of brightness and then light in terms of character and like emotion. Mm-hmm. Right. And you open it up and it's fucking mummies and it's destroyed shit and there's like zombie like holy shit you know what i mean like i remember flipping out at how great that that distinct difference was you know Mm -hmm. what i mean that they totally you don't even when somebody's setting something up in a game and you don't even know it till you get there and then like there's the flip you're like oh that's why this was like that yeah man uh but the the moment that i didn't expect from the game was in twilight princess the boss fight um, I don't remember who what the French fingers. Was. He's got his hands out like this. Uh, his fingers are going. But it, it was like it was when you get, get the hook, the dual hook shots, and you're like fucking Spider Man in a round, and you're fighting this like giant, not dragon, but like big bird thing, and like it's going around those four towers, and you have to hook shot from the tower to tower, and it's like it, I might even be remembering it more epic than it was, but there's like fucking like rainstorm happening and like lightning and shit, and I remember being like, holy shit, this is Zelda. Yeah. Like I can't believe that this is in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I there's just overwhelming emotion with these moments that right. like i'll just never forget and you know smash bros i have a million of them sure um, yeah well i mean that's the whole i mean i always talk, i've written about it it's arguably my most favorite not or famous non-review from ign right is how infamous affected me when i was going through my divorce or whatever mm-hmm. right and why i'm so connected to that but like in infamous one when you're playing right and you, you like you you probably did you ever play infamous no. i forget and like trish drops or whatever and there's some other lady drops and you have to make your choice of who you're going to save right and like i'm playing through as the good guy or whatever and you run and you get the other person and it turns out trish is going to die regardless of it. but like trish's final words so you're like holy shit like this is so fucking touching you know what mm-hmm. i mean of like she's like this her dying words are tell me is good good cole right that she wants me to go on and save people and i'm doing the right thing it's like fuck that's awesome you know yeah. what i mean like what a great thing for this like weird open world superhero game yeah. you've gotten where I used to be a bike messenger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, deaths are always one of those things where deaths are made to make you feel stuff, you know? Yeah. And like when games do it, it's either overly cheesy, just like movies. Yeah. Or it just it fucking hits right and uh, like the end of Final Fantasy 10 was one of the first times where there was like a, a big build up to a, a I mean, it's a death. It's it's a weird death, but it's a death. And when Tita's fucking like goes to hug Yuna and like disappears through her and like just jumps off the the ship like disappearing into like because he's a fucking dream or whatever because that game's weird um i remember being like holy shit like video games are making me sad yeah, you know? yeah. like I, I feel sad that these characters aren't going to be together and then final fantasy 10 2 when the plot gets way convoluted and then there's like the same characters from a thousand years ago or whatever and there's like a flashback of them fucking standing with their lover getting shot down by these armies i was like holy shit like this is fucking crazy yeah yeah but that's final fantasy um Portal. Portal was one that made me feel very uneasy. Really? Yeah. Like, playing through the game, I love, I mean, I love that game so sure. much. Uh, but when you're playing, I didn't know that towards the end of the game, you, like, leave the beautiful looking stuff. And yeah, yeah, go, and go behind the, the walls. The, the behind the walls and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. And that, for some reason, it hit me in a, in a very creepy way where I was like, it felt like a horror game to me mm. at that point. And, like, it scared me more than most horror games do. Interesting. Um, no, yeah, Portal for me, I thought you were going to go the opposite way and be like, you know, the humorous, the funniness, you know what I mean? How much that brings out, you know? Because yeah. I remember like 
with Portal 1 even, like laughing at GLaDOS and da-da-da, but then Portal 2 especially with Wheatley, once you get them involved and how genius the humor is in that, right? Where mm-hmm. if you sit there and like Wheatley keeps talking to you and he just wants you to say Apple or whatever and he keeps like doing it. And like if you just let him go, Stephen Merchant just goes just and goes and going, goes and yeah. stuff, right? And like those are games I sit there and think about like, yeah, having fun with in terms of laughing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like moments we remember in terms of emotions or whatever it's, you know, stirring up there, having a good time at that yeah. point. Yeah, man. Emotions are crazy. I, emotions are crazy. Ten like Yetis. Fucking fear. The like I there's nothing that scared me as much as being at Kevin's fucking uncle house and then playing just period and the sentence, <laughs> and the sentence there but playing Resident Evil for the first time and oh. the fucking dogs just like even in the, through the, the glass the, no 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 not even through the fucking glass I'm talking about just the fucking dogs in the intro like that like zombie dogs yeah period I was a little kid and that was scary as shit yeah and then the first zombie that turns around like that iconic first shot yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah. that's nightmares see it's, it's similar to me like the or similar to you like you're talking about emotions like how I. When I first went in, I'd gone home, we talk about it all the time and how, you know, I went and hugged Christine afterwards and da, 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 da. But when I start gone home, right, like I had specifically or on purpose been told by friends to stay away and not listen, read anything. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. Go play it. And so you start that game and I was convinced it was a horror game. You know what I mean? Knowing nothing about that, I'm in this creepy house. Everybody's disappeared. Gone home. Exactly. Yeah. And like I like you keep finding books about like ghosts and satanic, satanic stuff and stuff. And so I kept doing the thing of like, like, what did I hear? Like, turn around, like, look around. And then like, I like. I'd go side. I, there'd be a doorway, and I'd come up to the side of it and peek my head back yeah. around and keep going because I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trigger this ghost somehow. Where's it gonna pop up? Da da da. You know what I mean? And it doesn't happen. And, yeah. and then that, I'll ne- that game's so special, knowing nothing about it going in because I go yeah. from that to being like, this storyline's cool, but I gotta be worried about the ghost. What was what, what, what's happening this way? This ghost. And I'm like, wait a second. Is the second is what I thought the subplot of the game, the plot of the game? Uh-huh. Like, what the fuck? <gasps> That's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Braid's another one for me, like in terms of like going into it thinking one thing and like, mm-hmm. my god. That shit's just. You saw the Soldier Boy video and you're like, oh, I just rewind time with this kid. Exactly. Um, And a weird one for me, Star Fox 64. The when you beat it on hard, you get the special ending, and then Fox's dad comes back. And like, I was like, oh my god. And I take the the story of Star Fox way too seriously. Good for you. I was always super into it and thought it was fucking really cool, and I loved the cast of characters, and I thought they created such a good world. Um, even like specifically 64. Yeah. Um, of just like depending on which path you go, different people come and just for one level they'll be with you. And it's like, oh, this is Fox's friend from college, or oh, this is Falco's old girlfriend. Like oh. all this shit. I'm like, that's fucking cool. I like I want to know more about these characters. You like, like the Star Fox what's cinematic universe. You know, what's Bill the Bulldog doing? Like, come on. I want to know more. Sure. Hopefully, Star Fox Zero will explain all of that. Sure. I think about emotional games that I'm connected to, I think always about uh wrestling games. And I've told my wrestling stories of chasing him down, but like the one that I don't talk about too much, right, is just like I get to Mizzou. I'm a freshman there. I know no one, not a single person on that campus other than like my roommate who I met over the phone. You know what I mean? And on that first week of classes, I left the my dorm room, turned the corner, and as I was going, I heard the SmackDown menu music for SmackDown 2 on PS1. And like I went back and I'm like looking door to door and finally I looked in and saw who would go on to be one of my best friends at Mizzou, John playing it. It's like you play you play SmackDown? And I'm like some crazy guy in yeah. my backpack with blue hair and a wine shirt. You play SmackDown? And he's like, Yeah. I'm like, I'm coming back and playing SmackDown with you tonight. And like that was the thing, you know what I mean? Like that like And then he moved out. Huh? And then he moved out. Yeah. <laughs> I came back that day and he's just gone. All again. his things are gone. But he was your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Colin? There's a lot. I mean I, I think I mean Journey is the most the most emotional game I've ever played. Um, and it's a game I refuse to play again. Um, because of that, I mean, it game made me cry. And I have no idea why. I still have no idea why. Um, there was just something about that game that was... It's like really one of the great games the of scarves. all 
There's something very emotional. No, I mean, there's something, ve- like, there's something saying, very fucked up about that game. Yeah, like I, it was crafted I, to make you feel that way. Yeah, like I have no idea what. Like it was really, and I know I, I, I can appreciate even though Genova Chen doesn't really talk a lot about it. We've talked to him about. It, I can appreciate the crushing weight that they're under to, to deliver yeah, after that because they're not going to be able to deliver a game like that again. It's just that I mean I hope that they are because that, then they really are a very 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 special developer. But um, Journey's like a once in a lifetime kind of game. I think. Uh, I mean to give them credit though, <laughs> Flower. Like Flower, I would put on my list of like most emotional games. Flower's like, emotional, but it also has a st- a more overt story. Yes, I think. True. You know what I mean? As opposed to Journey, where I'm like, I don't even know what this game's. About. It's like about death, but like I don't know. Like I don't know. Uh, I I just remember like crying when I was playing it, and I'm like at the end, no, it's just like a whole thing. Um, yeah, I think uh, Final Fantasy two is definitely one of the or four is one of the most emotional uh, games. Uh, when the twins kill themselves. To save you is like a really, um, although you know that's you, you find out more later. But at that time, you think that they commit suicide and and uh, to save the team, and it's like super. You know, the beauty of those games of those sixteen bit games is that they didn't have any ex- presentational excuses. They the writing had to be good, the music had to be on point. It's just sprites, and I remember like the music stops and they like they cast stone on themselves to stop these walls from going in, uh, like to crush the the party, and they're just stand and like they turn the stone and the walls stop, and the entire party's just sitting there being like, "What the fuck?" These like ten year old kids just killed themselves in front of us, you know. And it's it's uh, Porma Palom are like some of my favorite characters of all time, and I've always wanted to get a white and a black cat named Porma Palom, um, because they're <laughs> white and black mages, um, and that was a really super emotional scene. And Final Fantasy IV, when you really think about that game, is actually really sad. It's probably the saddest Final Fantasy game. Um, by far, I think there's a lot of death and fucked up shit in that game. There's you you start the game out committing an act of terrorism, like, and you have no choice but to do it. And um, that's what the, that's like what sets you know uh, Cecil or Cecil, depending on how you want to say it, and Kane on this like this this you know they go to this they go to this village to deliver a package. I don't know if you, could, you guys you people out there know they go to this village to deliver a package. The package is being this huge bomb that destroys this entire city, just like Infamous, and. Uh, you know it it and like they're doing all these things in the name of the king they're like both officers in this in this army and and they're both like we don't want to do this anymore like what are we doing and and you know the game and then you know you meet Tella you know which is an old, he's an old mage and, and it's just it, it the, the game's like a really emotional kind of roller coaster and i think the same thing with final fantasy 6 it's it, there's there, the overtones of love in final fantasy 6 i think are really cool with cecil and and or not with cecil with Locke and and Celis. um i love the opera house scene which is one of the most famous scenes in any final fantasy game by far um where you watch, uh, you watch Locke try to like fake seduce Celis to trick Setzer into coming yeah. and kidnapping her, but he's really like falling in love with her. And again, it's like the it's, it's all sprites, and like the music is just right, and the writing is just right, and the and the localization is just right, and so in in a way that you know. And then the entire world ends in Final Fantasy VI, and that's like another really cool thing, like where the world just is destroyed. This like it's it's a very the the way that. Emperor Gestal and Kefka deal with each other is a very Emperor and Darth Vader way where like Kefka is not the main bad guy or the guy with any power mm-hmm. until later. Gestal's the one who's like has this out of control like thirst for Magitek and and like these espers and like empowering human the human race and, and they have this whole city dedicated to it and um and it's not until later that Kefka like you know basically like flips the script on him and becomes the bad guy and that's why I, I Kefka's like my favorite bad guy of all time in any video game because he's just like he's insane and he has no real motive, like which is why it's it's so like he's so unsettling. It's the same reason why I think people find the Joker unsettling because it's, and maybe why Kefka is a crazy clown, like that's what he is. He's a court mm-hmm. jester, and uh, you know, we're watching the world end and and being on the floating continent, and Shadow might die on the floating continent. You have to wait for him to come back. Like you can leave without him, and he dies. Um, so there's like a lot of really cool stuff in there. There's a lot of undertones about who Realm's father is, and is Shadow Realm's father, and like. Sh- 
if you sleep and ends with shadow in your party, you have like a one in 100 chance of seeing these random ass dream sequences that tell these fucked up stories. And like, there's just so much that game is fucking awesome. I mean, like Final Fantasy six is like so superior to most other role playing games and just the way it tells its story. It's it's like a, it's it's an art form. I would love to see them remake that instead of seven. Um, and then uh, Wild Arms is like really it's one of my favorite games. And that game's really sad when you find out, you know, instant, you know I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it. It's 19 years old. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you find out Rudy, who's the main character, is not even human. Um, it's like super fucking weird and sad and transcendent moment in that game. Uh, in terms of like humor and stuff, I, 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 I don't think I ever knew a game could make me laugh like South Park. The Stick of Truth uh, made me laugh. And, and the way I connected with that game was that's really one of the great games, I think, of last generation. Yeah. Uh, when you really think about it. Totally. Um, because of how fucking just ridiculous it was. Uh, I didn't know a game could do that. I didn't. I knew a game could make you feel feelings, but I didn't know a game could make you really like hysterically laugh at it. And like all the like the, the scene when the guy they're like fucking each other. Yeah. And like but you're like walking. Aren't you like a you're, dwarf you're, or like you're a dwarf under, you're or something? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like ant size and like your dad's balls are swinging in and yeah, it's like fucks your it's mom. like so. Like, there's like so many, and I'm like, this is so fucking awesome. <laughs> I, I what remember, a fantastic game. That game was so good and so funny. And Altano and I were playing at the exact same time, and so I would just text him. I'm like, have you gotten here? like? Oh my! And I I've never laughed like this. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I've never played a game and had this much fun with it. <laughs> in terms of like mystery, um, and the feelings of of just imminent. Doom, uh, I think nothing beats Bioshock, um, which is why I think that game is really special. Um, Rapture is just a character in and of mm-hmm. itself, and uh, that game made me feel a lot of weird emotions in terms of like just a, a foreboding, which I don't think a lot of games like Resident Evil does. Like horror games do that, but it's because you expect the next jump scare or something like that. But, like you didn't really know what you were scared of in Bioshock. You had no fucking idea. Like it's really unsettling when you run into a big daddy for the first time and he has no interest in you. And you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you then the first time, fight him. yeah. And then the first time, and you just stand there, and he just walks around you, and you, and like you just, and you're like, should I attack? And you attack, and then he just totally fucking like loses his mind, you know? Um, <laughs> these little girls like running around, like going in and out of these tubes, like, and then it's like, what the fuck is going on here? So Bioshock is that's why I was so disappointed in Infinite because I was like, it, it kind of lost the feeling of that. I mean, it's hard to replicate that, but um, so there's that, and I think Dead Space is another one of those games that gave me like this really mm, this this feeling of mystery and foreboding. I think that the game is supremely special. I think that might it's a be claustrophobic the, thing too. Yeah, know? and I think that might be the best survival horror game of all time. Um, when you really, really, really sit and think about that game, I mean, I, a lot of people love Resident Evil Four, and and I appreciate that, you know. Um, but there's something about Dead Space One where I was like, this is a really, 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 really special game. So mm-hmm. those are the ones that come to mind for me. Dead Space One for survival horror versus Resident Evil Four, right? Is just the different of your protagonist. I think. Like, right, Leon Kennedy is a badass. He's been sent in to save this girl. That's the thing. Isaac Clark is an engineer, and he is desperately trying to get off this thing, or at least, yeah, Leon Kennedy right there, (laughs) or desperately get off this thing, or just find his girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, it's awesome. Well, final topic of the day, as always, brought to you by the Kind of Funny Forums. Go over to kindoffunny.com slash gamescast topic. Submit your topic for the show, just like Innocence did. Hey, guys, this might be quick, but oh, what the hell. My topic suggestion is Valve and Half-Life 3. Will they ever release it? It may seem obvious to some, but in reality, Valve doesn't have to. Thank you, and keep up the great work. I think they will. Yep. Uh, but I agree that they I agree that they won't have to, and I always, I've always, i said it before, I always love Charles, Charles Lanyette's idea that, that they'll just release it when it's done. Um, they won't no, even no lead up, no nothing. Just They'll here just it is. It's on and I would be, I, I would love if they did it where they didn't even say anything. Like it just, they just uploaded. There's yeah. nothing ever said. They, I mean, that they would respond be to an email. One of the most like, epic things 
in humanity's history. Now, <laughs> Life 3 just fucking came out. Now, to the credit of his part of this question, where it's like they don't have to, it's true they don't have to. And in fact, they have more to lose by doing it than, mm-hmm. than gain, to gain. Because the, 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 the fact remains that Half-Life is a really beloved franchise, but it is not Grand Theft Auto or something. Like, where there's not a financial imperative for them to do this. They might hurt themselves, not financially because they have so much money from Steam, but they might hurt the creative. The, like, if Half-Life 3 isn't good... Or not as good as people expect it, then they then, then they might good. hurt themselves. It isn't fucking life changing, fantastic. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's it's Duke Nukem Forever. It's the Last Guardian. It's the, it's been cooking for mm-hmm. so long, and well, it's more it's, than those, I think. Sure, but I'm I mean to give you a yeah. touchstone of like it's been going for so long. Expectation and hype is to such a fever pitch without anything. Mm-hmm. You can't, yeah, you can't do it. You can't. It can't come out and not be amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's I think that's definitely the 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 problem. Yeah. For them is i don't know it, it's the same it's what i said about the last guardian would have would have you know i don't know in what uh, state of readiness it was on on ps3 when when clements played it a long time ago when he went to see ngp um in uh in tokyo so this was in 2010 maybe 2011 i don't know like what state it was in at that point but would sony have gained more financially and critically if they just released a 6.0 than release this game now that cannot no matter how good it is will never live up to the hype mm-hmm. like last guardian has to be one of the best games of all time to live up to the hype that it's behind it. And I think that's one of the problems of they must see something in the game. They've dumped a lot of money into it. It's going to sell well. But I, if I were there, I would have definitely considered canceling it. Mm-hmm. So it's it, I'm sure they did consider that. Um, so it's a similar conundrum where the game, you know, no matter how good Half-Life 3 is, it's not going to be as good as people want it to be, which is the, you know, which is a credit to Half-Life 2, but also uh, a problem for a company like Valve that has no financial imperative to make a game ever again. And um they can just make their money passively on Steam and be fine. So. Do you think we'll see it before 2020? Yeah, I do. Half-Life 3 before 2020? I think it's in development right now. I think it has been for several years. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. If it's not before 2020, they might as well not even release it. Yeah. Because at that point, at that point, it's been 13 or 14 years or something like that. Yeah. Like, why even bother at that point? Yeah. You're, I'm, they're almost at the point where it's like, why even bother now? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it pretty much is at that point. Like, in terms of at least, you know, getting new people on or whatever. It's just don't do it or do it. <laughs> cool. Borden says, how much do you guys think streaming support or the lack of could tip the scales of VR reality really catching on? Streaming games or stream movies? I think I think what he's talking about is being there's no way to stream VR like with Twitch and YouTube and all that oh, stuff. Oh, but that's the thing. Now, hold on. Isn't there? The whole th- the PlayStation VR's thing is that you can you can have it displayed on a TV while you play it, and it isn't. I mean, it is Oculus, right? When you look at an Oculus mm-hmm. thing, it's the thing where it's got the two windows, right? That are like in oh, your yeah. life covered up and to make one giant thing. But there, it looks all fucked up. PlayStation says that it's going to be that. Mm-hmm. So if it's like that, then I mean, what you wouldn't be able to read the chat, but you'd be able to have yeah. it on and talk, and then have if it was if I'm playing a game and Colin's next to me, he can watch what's happening, read the chat, be mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, the whole. Twitch is definitely a benefit to games, but I don't think it's like a game changer. I don't think it's going to like screw everything. But VR stuff, I think Twitch does help for specific types of games. I think VR experiences or games that we see might be those games. That's a great point. I had had not actually thought about what it's going to be like with VR on Twitch. And like we always talk about trying to overcome people's uh, ignorance of it. How do you get people to do it? You have to understand. You have to be using it to understand it. But if if you can do it where, yeah, you're on green and you're moving your head and it's moving with you. Granted, it's another huge fucking. Let's see how latent it is, and let's see you know, oh, if there's Lord. any lag or anything like that. But that could be an, actually a really interesting way to showcase those games. Mm-hmm. 
Billwood Marbles says, Bill hey guys, Marbles. my question is regarding local multiplayer. My love for video gaming stems from the memories I have. My friends and I sitting on the TV playing Split Screen GoldenEye, Mario Kart, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, Still today, the majority of my gaming takes place over Split Screen Rocket League or party games such as Fibbage. You guys know Fibbage. what Fibbage is? Yeah, yeah, Fibbage is awesome. Don't know what Fibbage is. It's like a it, little game show game you're playing there. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a game where like it'll ask you a question, then you have to make a fake answer to the question, and then the people have to pick which answer they think we should is play real. that it's that a sounds, great game that sounds good i last played it on xbox one with uh, our friend nate however it's becoming increasingly difficult to find games that are that offer local multiplayer outside of the wii u and the exclusion of split screen and halo guardians increases my concerns what are your thoughts on this and do you feel as the local multiplayer is on its way out completely i mean it, i it, feel it yeah it's like it's already out but there will always be people that like rocket league is a perfect There's example of, they understand it. the importance of that and that's what that game was designed to do right so I think I think I feel like since I've been in the industry, it's been on its way out. Mm-hmm. That's all you ever. I mean, it's just the, as the machines get more and more powerful, the harder and harder it is to do this to render the game twice to make it look as good to deliver the experience you want. Well, and in addition to that, with with online going from this like kind of niche thing that's just kind of a gimmick to being yeah. the way people play games, split screen is you know on its way out. I remember when the first time that I was upset by a game not having split screen was Counter Strike on the Xbox. Yeah, it came and I was just like, well. I'm fucked. I love playing Halo split screen, but I'm not going to fucking play this shit online. I just want to play with my friends, and yeah. I couldn't. So that stopped me from playing that game entirely. And now with Halo 5, I mean, it sucks. Like, it is definitely, like, when my friend's birthday comes up uh, around Thanksgiving, we're playing all weekend. We're not going to be hit playing Halo 5 because it's not split screen. We'll yeah. play Master Chief Collection just for fun, you know? So I mean, it's it, their technical limitation. I mean, people have to remember that it's really hard to make a game run twice or four times these days because they're so they're so intense these games are so intensive and they push the units so hard um but people also have to remember that in the in the in the day and age of connected video games even if you're playing single player like on playstation network um g- developers and publishers are collecting data about the way you play games and they they, they have heat maps of the way where you go in maps they have they're like all sorts of things very minute depending on the way they've calibrated their game to be able to see like do people like this weapon do does anyone go in this corner on this fucking map at all does anyone find this collectible like they know they have very detailed statistics and i'm telling you that they looked at their stats and they're like no one cares about couch co-op you know like like they if if it was important to to the to if they looked at halo and they're like this is actually important to lots of halo gamers then it would be in there they would have figured it out but they they don't they don't do that because they know that it's not important anymore. Right. So yeah, like the people I that think the people that even po- in addition to that though, it's not necessarily that it's not important to a lot of people. It's just the fact that like there's they also want to control the narrative. They want more people playing online. So by not having the splits, why do they care if the people play online though? Like why why does the developer care like how you play the game? If 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 people if they looked at Halo and was and were like ninety percent of people play Halo couch co op, like they're not going to cut it out. They probably looked at it and they're like less than five percent of the people that buy Halo play couch co op. So why would we even bother? You know, like I don't Microsoft and Sony have every intention of making you play online. So you pay $60 a year for that. But the publishers, I don't think in fact, it's cheaper for the developers for you not to play the game online. So it's so I don't agree with that. I think that they're looking at very detailed statistics on everyone that's putting these games into their machines and, and finding out that this is not important. Like it might be important to some of the people that write into this or people on, you know, it, something's important to everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 
something missing out of a game is going to be important to literally every single person, but they have to make choices. Remember, it goes both ways. I always tell a story, right, that, you know, they went out of their way, the Lego guys, to make sure that Lego Star Wars, when it came to 360, right, and I'm getting all this right, when it made the jump or whatever at the time, and they put out the one collected edition of all of them, they put online in there for, like, the first time ever in Lego, and no one fucking used it, and so no Lego game, again, has ever had online co-op, because it's just, mm-hmm. well, why put money into servers, this, that, and the other to do it? It's the same thing, and that's what you're talking about. Like, I think the ref- the places he's referencing, you know, he's talking about Rocket League, you know, we've talked about games like Chariot, these indie games that are easier to play games together with couch co-op diablo right like those are developers saying it's not only important if you're starting from not scratch i guess but if you're starting from a game where you're going to get big like rocket league you know your game works that way and it's it it works well that way it's fun to play those games that way you know what i mean like that's Mm -hmm. the whole thing i hate that's the funny thing is i love local co-op like i love playing with christine and i hate split screen so just suck it up and get another tv and put them side by side admit you're a nerd Another so many other people and another do Xbox it. and another copy of Halo. You should have all those things already if you're, oh, yeah. if you're a true fan. No, I mean, this I understand, where, I understand two, where he's coming Xboxes. from. It sucks if people are into those things. It's just that, like, that's a dying me- That's a dying way to play games. It's just not It's not going to be that way anymore. There's always going to be local co-op games, but you talk about Chariot or something like that. Like, this is a very easy-to-render side-scroller yep. that even yep. if you play it co-op, like, it's just another sprite on the screen. It's that's not why even, it's I not even the like indie a, games, because so many yeah. of them are like that, yeah. And, and Rocket League's just rendering a soccer field four times. So it's not like it's it's... You know, it's just it's, it's not Halo. It's, yeah, it's not. It's just way like running Halo Five is probably really complicated to run yeah. twice. But I mean, if you want to like Halo not having split screen co op is not Halo. You know, but well, sure. Not- but you have to ask yourself if like three four three and back in the day Bungie were looking at statistics and and realizing that these things were going to die like that. Like they're keeping these into placate a certain amount of people. And when you're making a game, you know, when you're a producer of a game, you have producers live in spreadsheets. They live in in fucking you know calendars and like. They have resources that need to be allocated to these certain things that need to be hit at these certain checkpoints. And if you really see that, like, and I, I don't know the numbers, but if you see 5% of the people that play Halo 4 use couch co-op, then it's like, no, we're cutting it. There's no reason to have that in the game anymore because we're only going to annoy 1 in 20 people that play the game. Mm-hmm. And we might even sell more copies. Like, that. there's a, there's also a, a financial imperative, no, too. Sure. So I just, you're really actually, if if you assume 5% of the people that put the, the game into the system are playing, you know, couch co-op, then then that you're actually affecting two and a half percent of the people that actually bought your game. So it's like, so the numbers are even, are even smaller. So I don't know. I don't, I'm just assuming that they're looking at shit. Like just like any developer does just like they did with Lego where they were like, well, why would we put online in this? I think it makes sense. It's, it's, it's the same reason I think why when they released the uncharted collection on PS4, they were like, yeah, uncharted is popular online, but, and blue point can probably manipulate these and put the servers up and stuff like that. But why? Like X amount of people played it. Yeah. You know, they're, you don't play uncharted to play online. Mm Mm-hmm. George Love says, hello, lads. I was wondering what location and time period you'd like to see used in an open world game. Is there any city or country or a particular point in history that you would think would be particularly interesting to explore? And what aspects of that time and or place would you like to see included? I thought this one was really interesting for you. I mean, the reason I wanted to play Assassin's Creed 3 so badly was because of its like the setting and the time period were fucking perfect. And the and the way the way it was, the way it looked was just so good. Um it's just that it was an Assassin's Creed game, so it wasn't fun. You know, that's 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 a that's that's a problem. So I always wanted a real time or not a real time, a turn based, almost cartoonish economic and strategy game based in the revolution. Um, so like a Final Fantasy Tactics style game mm. um, in the American Revolution, I think would be fucking awesome. But I mean, that's that's I, I even had like ideas and little designs drawn down about it being a 3D or it was back in the day, a DS game. Um, 
but that would be like I just like that time period. I don't think it's off. See, we we don't explore complicated time periods like that in traditional genres like shooters because you can't play a shooter in, in Revolutionary War because it take you know even the best Minuteman had you know needed forty five seconds to fucking load his musket and shoot it. So that's not fun. World War One isn't really fun to explore in that because it's 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 fucking trench warfare and the and the front line moved like twelve miles in five years. I mean, who cares? You know, it's it's so it's. We need to figure out new and clever genres and new ways to attack these different these different things. And I think Assassin's Creed was the one that could have done it the best, but they just, you know, uh, Kirk Hamilton at, at Kotaku wrote a great story last week about Assassin's Creed, where his, where his basic line was like, "Why isn't this fun?" Like mm-hmm. in terms of like why like when are they going to get that the game doesn't control right? When are they going to figure that out? When it stops selling, you know. Well, I think this might be the year. <laughs> you know, we'll so it's it's number one downloaded PlayStation game for October. I mean, we'll see. You know, I I think that. This is a matter of buzz versus sales versus economic reality again, you know. Um, but it was nice to see someone else echo what I've been saying for years about that series, which was like, it's just not everything about it's so great. So why can't it play like it looks? Mm-hmm. You know, like why can't it play like Infamous? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've always wanted to see an open world thing in San Francisco, specifically because I'm from here and I'm very familiar with the driver location. San Francisco. No. So but so here's the thing, there's been a ton of maps and levels and experiences that have been in SF, but none of them have ever really matched where I want them to be. There's been levels in Tony Hawk that I feel like got closer than any like San Andreas had uh, San Francisco, but yeah. it, like it didn't feel right and also that was last last gen. Yeah, so yeah. it just, you know, it wasn't up to to speed. For what uh, GTA Five did for LA, I would love to see that for San Francisco, mm. um, and actually have the districts and see how it all works together and stuff. And what I would really like gameplay wise, so Mark Echoes Getting Up, I don't know if you guys are familiar. I it was a graffiti game on the PS2. Great game, excellent game. Chance of a sequel? No way in fucking hell. I asked Mark Echo himself. Nice job. And uh, he said no. But um, it was a really fun game. It was about graffiti and it was about all this stuff. And I think an open world graffiti game in San Francisco would be really cool because there's such a crazy graffiti subculture in the city. And just once you start knowing about it, like looking up and seeing all the buildings and seeing different graffiti pieces and being like, how the fuck they get up there? And like, if there was like a um, online thing where there's a lot of different people playing and like having different crews and shit, like trying to take over the city, I think it'd be fucking awesome. What about you, Greg? I got nothing. Go to Chicago. None of the games in Chicago. Watch 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 Dogs was close close, but it wasn't enough. Get Tom Wrigley Hawkins. in there, not this fake Wrigley ass bullshit. Tom Hawkins says, "Hey guys, if you could pick any Fallout perk to have in real life, what would it be?" The one that gave me more money every time I looked into a, a bin. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. The one, yeah, barter, get better prices on everything. All the boring ones. I don't want to actually kill people. Seabass <laughs> six nine seven eight says, "Hey guys, long time viewer, first time poster. I'm curious in your thoughts on video game addiction." Do you think it's a real condition? If so, would you consider yourselves game addicts? This came to mind because I recently had a fight with my girlfriend about my obsession with video games. Keep creating some of the best content on the internet. Best friend for life. See, obsession's a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Addiction's a real thing. It's a disease. I think you can be addicted to anything. So n- none of us at this table are addicted to video games. Yeah, no. no. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that would be a real life-altering injury. Uh, like, that fucks up everything, being yeah. addicted to something. Obsessed, I think, is a better way. We get yeah. obsessed with games all the time. I mean, I do. I mean, de- def- video game addiction is a thing, and yeah. I've seen people get addicted to video games, and I've seen it affect their lives yeah. poorly. Being obsessed also affects your life, but like, I think that the addiction level is when that's when a professional needs to step. You're in. letting your health get in the way. Yeah. You're fucking up your relationships. Like, and I've I have a very close friend that like for a couple of years was on a bad 
bad fucking path because of video games. Yeah. And I'm happy that that's no longer the case. Sure. Yeah, you can be addicted to anything. I mean, you can be addicted to relationships. You can be addicted to... Mm -hmm. Obviously, drugs and alcohol, you can be addicted to whatever, Sex. but you can be addicted to sex. You can literally be addicted to food. You can be addicted to anything. So, yeah, you can be addicted to the games, of course. Um, I never considered myself addicted to games. I've been, I've definitely had obsessive periods with them. Um, the, my concern, I mean, the last game I obsessively played that came out was Mega Man 10. That was like the last game where I'm like, everyone just shut the fuck up and go away. I don't care what anyone's <laughs> saying. I don't care about you. Uh, I'm going to play this game now. And that was really the last time I ever like had a breakdown moment in my life where I'm like, this is, just has to be this way. Um, I would give so much. To be able to just go back and see your reaction when Mega Man Nine was announced. Yeah, I ran around the IGN office. I couldn't. I like couldn't <laughs> believe it. Uh, but my concern now is that I'm. I'm not. Is that like? Do I play games enough? You know, to to satiate myself. I play games all the time, but I'm like, you know, I, I wish I had more time to play them. I wish I had more of a drive to play more. Um, but I don't see. Uh, I was talking to someone recently about like I have so many of these. I have so many interests that I'm trying to balance. That I'm trying to fit fit in, fit in more that has nothing to do with games like I still really want to rekindle my you know playing hockey again and and you know do and I want to join a chess club and do all these other things like things that I really love and like really really love and uh so you have to start cutting things out and so then you realize that like video games are one of those expendable things in your life that you have to um or at least some you know in my, I feel that way where if I can play 10 hours or I can play five hours and fit in five hours of other stuff I'd probably rather fit five hours of other stuff in um so it's it's all about balance you know, it's okay to be, it's okay to have a little addiction or an obsession with a game or games or whatever. You just have to find that balance. But that's different for every different, for, for different people. I was, there was a really fascinating NeoGAF thread I read some time ago, like a couple months ago, where people were like, how often do you play video games? The question was like, how many hours a week do you play games? And I read like the whole thing. It was fascinating because it was like, it spanned literally anywhere from like, I don't play video games because I have a kid and fucking wife. Fucked up and, my life. And or I have a job or I just don't care anymore, you know, like and then although it's like 50 hours a week. Yeah. And like everyone in between. And it seemed like on, and that made me feel good because these are NeoGAF obviously attracts like hardcore dedicated game enthusiasts. And it seemed like the the, the average was like five to ten hours a week. And I was like, cool, because I, I, <laughs> I'm OK. I, I play more than that. And, and I feel like I'm not playing enough. So mm -hmm. sure. Final question of the day comes from Sweet Action 1981. He says, "Hey guys, what do you think of the Warcraft trailer? And does it give you any hope for the future of video game movies? I personally really liked it, and even more like the fact that they kept the CGI for the orcs extremely close to that of the game cinematics. I'm always hesitant to be excited for any video game movie announced, but this seems pretty good and gives me hope for future game movies." Did you guys see the trailer? Yeah, I did. Thought it was fine. Like, yeah. I mean, like the problem is you're talking. Uh, jumping back to a topic earlier, right? Like, I'm just not the high fantasy guy, so like, mm -hmm. I will not see that movie. Like, I thought, I thought just at a glance, the CG didn't look that great. Yep. But I thought the world and what the way they were acting was like, oh, this is like a legit movie. At least this yeah. is, you know what I mean. For me, I I'm not a Warcraft guy at all. Don't yeah. really know about the world. There's worlds of it. Yeah. Uh, don't don't know much about it. I know you know basic shit. And I Orcs. know enough to watch the trailer and be like, okay, cool. Like, this seems checks out on a yeah, yeah. Back, back of the fucking game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But like, and the reaction to it that I've read seems mixed, but not as bad as it could be. Sure. But, I mean, from just a pure movie standpoint, shit doesn't look good. Doesn't yeah. look good at all. The CG looks bad. You know, and, like, everyone was saying that the CG in the, the game trailer for Legion that they showed looks way better. And it does. It looks way better. Yeah. So, it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't think that this is going to be the... The huge hit that a Warcraft movie could have been at a different time. I think people's expectations for these type of movies has changed, and the ship has sailed for this movie 
to hit that audience. Like, I think it, this would have been an amazing 2008 movie. But do you think it hits a wider audience outside of it? Is this a movie that kids in high school are going to go out to see on Friday and have no idea that there is based on a video game or yeah, whatever? I think it, that it is exactly that movie, but it's not going to be that movie that those kids then tell their friends to watch. Gotcha. You know, which I think in 2008 it could have been. Okay. okay. Uh, but I'm now that we know. have... You know, Iron Man and everything. Every fucking three months, there's some movie of things that people actually care about. You have to go see. Cool to care about. Gotcha. Then it's like this is just like oh, this is based off a video game. Like people want to like non comic readers, non nerds want to go into superhero movies, watch it, and pretend they know more about superheroes than anyone else because it just it's cool. You know, superheroes are cool. So oh yeah, oh in the comics this happened. Yeah, it's like you never read a fucking comic in your life. You know this. I don't think it's going to have that same thing of, oh, well, in the game, you know, this happens. It's we like, should go there and say stuff, though. In the game, there's pandas, and they're in the mist, yeah. and they if fight If the fucking things. pandas aren't in the mist, I'm pissed. Yeah. Uh, you have any thoughts on this? Did you even really. watch it? Yeah, we watched it, I think, in Conan Greg Live. I barely paid attention to it. I mean, that, that, that movie has bomb written all over it, I think, but but who knows? I mean, that, that, that series certainly has a lot of resonance with a lot of people over mm-hmm. a long period of time, uh, and different kinds of gamers, too. You know, World of Warcraft and then just Warcraft, so. Yeah. It'll certainly draw people in, but I don't, I don't, I don't understand this drive to make video games in the movies. I just don't get it. You know, like why? Like it's the same reason we talked about the Last of Us movie, where it's like I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I, it's okay for things to be games. It doesn't mean that they're less legitimate. Be, you know, does, making a movie out of something doesn't legitimize it. I don't know how many times you have to see these movies come out before we realize that this is maybe more destructive to games than, yeah, than you helpful. Hope, you hope our industry is waking up to that. That they don't have to chase that. It seems like it's slowing down, but then there are like. Uncharted pops up or whatever. Last of, like that was the argument I was having at IGN at the end. There was just the fact that people were like, when's the what's the first video game movie that's going to matter? And I kept saying Last of Us, and people would say Warcraft. I'm like, maybe I guess, sure, but like Last of Us at least taxi. has Neil Druckmann in it. You th- you would say Crazy Taxi? Yeah. Okay. When's La- that fucking movie coming? I don't. I hope they. It's just not. They all, <laughs> I, if it does come, I hope it is just Ball 90 spring. minutes of just driving. It's just driving around picking people. Take me to Pizza Hut. Taking a pre- <laughs> taking a priest to Pizza Hut. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that topic brought to you by DraftKings. Football season marches on, and while your season-long fantasy team might be going nowhere fast, every week is a new shot for glory at DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the destination for one-week fantasy football, where you can relive the fantasy draft and play for huge prizes each and every week. Challenge your friends in a custom league, or... Join an existing one to play for your share of the billion dollars in prizes up for grabs this year. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big times. Heard at DraftKings.com now. Use promo code KINDAFUNNY to play for free with your first deposit in Sunday's million-dollar fantasy football contest. First place takes home hundred grand and a lifetime of bragging rights. Enter Kind of Funny for free entry now only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Thank you guys very much for joining. Thank, Thank you. you. Greg, you can go back to Fallout now. Thank you very much. Yeah. I do have like 40 minutes before we have to do this yeah. Q&A. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're stoked. I don't know. Thank you all for joining us. Again, thank you all for supporting us on Patreon. You're beautiful people that do beautiful things. We'll see you next week.